is the number to call. You can check us out on our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. And you can check our app out by going to, obviously, Apple, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is up? Well, I'm just trying to maneuver the last second all these guests that we're having on. We're going to have Mark on later in the show, as well as uh, Mr. Mountain of Knowledge coming back on. Mr. Mountain of Knowledge. And it's his first week that he finally won. There you go. Oh, so he has something to brag about, especially yes. beating the world champion. That would be me. The world champion. That's right. Mm-hmm. My picks are as good as anybody's. I just don't bet on them. So I, No, we're not the betting show. <laughs> no, we're not. But we should be because we can make some money. Also, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Chaz as well. He was mentioning he was uh, going through. Uh, he had a uh, sinus infection, so hoping he gets better. Chazimoto, well. the awakened bake boy. Yes. Is he going to be on our show this week? I will find out tomorrow. Well, I'm happy that he's okay. He's alive, and he's doing well. So uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys at 930. We'll be talking to Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Jetson Giants reporter Max Goodman. And at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to New York Post featured... Reporter Alex Mitchell. He'll be joining us. We'll talk a little uh, Yankees and all the Giants and Islanders and crazy entertainment and stuff that he does all over uh, in his life. So it'll be fun. Uh, We'll have him. Uh, We will get into SNY's Andy Martina reporting that Aaron Judge and many Yankee teammates thought there was a toxic environment when the fans booed Judge during the ALCS. I am not surprised, okay? And that's just an excuse for Judge to leave. I've been saying this for two years. Judge had no reasons to come back and play for the New York Yankees. After his uh, rookie contract was up, his arbitration was back and forth with the Yankees. I think he received $19 million uh, in the offseason. So uh, he wasn't excited or happy about that. So uh, it's very interesting to hear that the Yankees and Aaron Judge were not happy with the fans. But it's not surprising because I've said this about a lot of Yankee fans is that they're out of their damn minds. Um, The Brewers and David Stearns stepped down as, well, the Brewers' David Stearns steps down as president of baseball operation. What does that mean for the New York Mets? And Steve Cohen spoke out today and said they're not interviewing. So it's very interesting to see what the Mets do now that 
David is available. So it's going to be fun. I think he's waiting for Brian Cashman because there's a lot of stories coming out as the Yankees aren't sure if they're going to bring Brian Cashman back or they're going to let him go. If if they let him go, he will be a New York man. So I think he's waiting and finding out probably after uh, Friday – well, and not after Friday, after the the World Series, what Brian Cashman and New York Yankees are going to do. But uh, this is something I, I think David Stearns wants to be the Mets um, president. And I think the Mets want him to be the president, too. They just want to wait and see what Brian Cashman is doing. Because if you have a chance to get Brian Cashman, you wait and see. And I believe that's what the Mets are doing. Uh, the New York Giants trade, Kadarius Tony, a.k.a. Mr. Joystick. As Jeff would say, no longer Jeff around us, but uh, he's not very happy about this trade. This might be a good trade for the Chiefs. They need a star wide receiver. Hardman seems like not the guy for them. I don't understand why, but uh, they want a number one guy. Kadarius Toney was the Giants' number one pick two years ago. He could not stay healthy. Uh, The compensation was a third round and a sixth round. I don't think that's enough. I don't. A six-round draft pick means nothing. Nobody cares about the sixth round. So they practically got a third-round pick for a first-round talent, who, by the way, is only 20, what, 21, 22? 23 years old. 23 years old. He's a kid. I, I mean, he has been fighting injury. Could you imagine if Kadarius Tony is healthy and he plays with, you know, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, uh, you watch. Kadarius Tony becomes a superstar in this league. Um, and they got their number one guy. Uh, could Doc Rivers be on the hot seat after the 76ers Slow start. Absolutely. I've been talking about this, speaking about this, about Doc Rivers. I do not believe Doc Rivers is a championship head coach. And I think the 76ers are going to be looking and searching for a guy to fill in. Or maybe they have somebody on the bench right now to take over for Doc because Doc will lose that job before season's end. Because right now the Knicks are playing great basketball. Uh, Latest on the NFL trade deadline rumors and moves. And week eight. Picks with Derek, a.k.a. Mountain of Glory, I call him now, uh, because he is up this week 10-4 to 4, as he wins uh, this week's picks. And me in the Speedster, 8-6, and six, uh, still a winning, winning record. So we're good. I'm good. No losing records for me yet this year as far as the picks are concerned. Speedy has, and so has Mr. Derek Mountain. But uh, it'll be fun. Uh, We'll have Derek, and we'll have Marky Mark in the Funky Bunch back in town. He'll be joining us a little bit later as well. So why don't we get to it? (sighs) Let's get to the Aaron Judge thing, because I want to make this sound very simple and easy. I know Yankee fans do not want to hear that Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees were not happy about the boos in the ALCS. I've been saying this to the Yankee fans forever. Yankee fans, and I am a Yankee fan, as you can see on my beautiful ad. I am a Yankee fan. Do or die, baby. Grew up a Don Mattingly fan. And I have a lot of respect for certain Yankee fans. But after this year, and and the boos, how many times have they booed Giancarlo Stanton? How many times when Glaber Torres was in that, I, I guess, uh, non-hitting experience for the month, I think of, if I'm not mistaken, April. How many boos came from Glaber Torres? 
Anthony Rizzo was uh, Anthony Rizzo was hot in the beginning of the season and completely went cold, and Yankee fans were booing him. The Yankees have always had fans that demand respect, that crave championships. And right now, the Yankees are not a championship team. They're a top-four team, and I don't know why any Yankee fans are booing their players. Now, did the Yankees hit in the ALCS? No, they did not. Do their players deserve to be booed in Yankee Stadium? The answer is no. And if I was Aaron Judge, I wouldn't want to play for the Yankees either. And I'll tell you why. Because I have 400 million reasons why I probably won't. And what does that mean? Because I believe the San Francisco Giants are going to offer him a contract outrageous. And Aaron Judge is trying to find an excuse on why he wants to leave. He doesn't want to piss off the Yankee fans for good. This is a very well-respectable player around the league. He's very respected here in New York. And he doesn't want the Yankee fans to hate him forever. Because he is going to make a choice in the next couple of weeks on where he wants to play. And it will be quick. I believe by the winter meetings, Aaron Judge will be signed by one of these teams. I just don't think it's going to be the Yankees. And I've said this over and over again. I love Aaron Judge. I think he's a fantastic player, a great leader, the face of this Yankee team. But when it comes to a big game, over the last couple of years, he just doesn't show up. He's a career almost 200 hitter in the playoffs. He hits home runs. He gives the Yankees some RBIs. Most of them are solo home runs, if you see how many home runs he hits. It didn't, and it won't benefit the Yankees moving forward if they want to win a championship. If you remember the 90s Yankees, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Tino Martinez, Paul O'Neill, Scott Brocious, I can name it over and over and over again. I just gave you very important players to that team, especially in that lineup. Jorge Posada. They hit for power, but they also hit for average. Derek Jeter is almost a career 300 hitter. Bernie Williams was a 280 hitter in his career. Paul O'Neill was a 280, 290 hitter in his career. Tino, for a power hitter, was a career a 270, 269 hitter. In the playoffs, almost a 300 hitter. You have to hit in the playoffs. And the Yankees, this year, proved once again, they're an all-or-nothing team. Can you win all-or-nothing in this league, especially in the playoffs with great pitching? The answer, no. Now, I understand why the Yankees are booing them. The Yankee fans are booing Aaron Judge and booing all the players on this team. But baseball and sports are very simply proven that these players are babies. Prima donnas. Ask the NFL. Ask the wide receivers in the football league in the NFL. Tyreek Hill didn't think he was respected by the Chiefs, so he wanted to be traded. He gets $130 million. 
from the Miami Dolphins. Adams didn't need that money. Adams didn't need to get all that money. He could have stayed with Green Bay and won this year with the lonesome dove of Aaron Judge. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, who has yet to prove why he's been and has been the best quarterback in the NFL for the last five years. You see what's going on in the NFL. And now you're seeing players. You have to baby these players for them to be happy for where they are. And Yankee fans, I'm sorry. We all know what happened with Cleveland early in the season. We know what we've seen when they play Boston. Yankee fans are probably the most hated fans in professional sports, Speedy. Yeah, and again, there's a line that's going to have to be drawn. You have, as a fan, every right to boo, whatever, heckle, fine. As long as you don't cross the line of saying anything, like, derogatory, obnoxious, anything like that to a player. But again, to extreme circumstances, in the case of the Yankees, it was happening a lot. It was happening very often throughout those two ALCS games. And that's not the kind of thing that is going to help a player down to nothing against the Astros, dynamic pitching staff. So it's a risk you run if, if you're the Yankees fans. Hopefully, again, if you're a Yankee fan, it does not shy Aaron Judge away, but again, this is not a good sign. Now, he's already rumored as the Giants are already being the favorite. So this Huge is not, target yeah, for the Giants. Right. So this is not helping the cause as it is. Now, again, I'm not going to say it's going to you shouldn't boo or whatever, but when you realize it's still kind of not working kind of thing, at one point you got, you're going to have to realize, okay, maybe booing the guy isn't the answer. Let's try to give him some support if that ends up being the case. And this is a guy in Aaron Judge that is definitely capable of turning it around with other types of swing. Yeah, he strikes out a lot. Yeah, he can have a long swing, but that doesn't mean he's not capable of hitting the ball the other way. That doesn't mean he's not capable of getting on base and hitting doubles and stuff like that too, if that's what you need him to do. The, air, the home run record altered that in terms of the swing, in terms of the approach for a while. But obviously that's not going to be the case in the postseason. So you have to realize if Aaron Judge, especially against the Cleveland pitching too, is striking out as much as he did, maybe that kind of thing isn't working. He shouldn't have been doing it against Cleveland either. And definitely not against the Astros when that's your approach. That's, your, that's the block you got to overcome mentally if you're the Yankees. And it definitely doesn't help that kind of cause. And the Yankees are an all-or-nothing team. They've always been. This has been an organization, well, they always, really since I would say 2004 – and on, the Yankees have been an all-or-nothing team. In the 90s, they weren't all-or-nothing. They were hitting for average. Go look at their batting average in the playoffs in 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000. Close to 300. Since, I would believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 2008, the Yankees' batting average has been estimated between 230 and two, what is it, 230 and 220 or something like that. Mm. It's been bad. And this year, their batting average in the playoffs, 170. You are not winning in this baseball league, in the MLB, if you're batting 170 as a team. I don't think the Yankees' batting average has been this low in history in the playoffs. I don't know. I, I, don't, I didn't look at the statistics, but I'm willing to bet – the Yankees' batting average in the playoffs have never been this bad throughout a playoff. Not for a series this long. Because even when you look at some of the other times they lost in the ALCS, yeah, the 
the Tigers pitching staff was very good. That's fine. The Astros, when they lost in 2017, they had were a Were they hitting 170 against the yeah, Tigers? I don't, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't think it was ever that bad where they had that bad of stretches batting average-wise. 62 strikeouts? Yeah, no, definitely never 62 strikeouts. That's a, that's a record for any, t- any postseason for a team that went that long. And it was by a good margin, too. I think the next highest was 51 for a team that went to the LCS or farther. And you're looking at a case where the... Astros pitching staff in 2017, there, there were a couple games where they hit in that series. There was a couple games they died out, Game 6 and Game 7 of that series in particular. And then in 2019, the same kind of thing. It was kind of a mixed bag. So there was definitely nothing that bad where it seemed like they were just so inept hitting. And it never seemed like they were trying to adjust their approach whatsoever. You had your occasional home run. Harrison Bader here and there, uh, Stanton here and there, Anthony Rizzo. But it wasn't consistent enough. And... The Yankees really never seemed like they were altering their approach. Now, we were talking about last week about how bad the strike zone was, especially in game one when Justin Verlander was on the mound. That has something to do with it for sure. But still, you you still have to foul those pitches away. You still have to make the at-bats longer. And it's not like they were looking at all those strikeouts either. They still have to have that kind of approach. And that kind of thing was never altered. It looked like it was going on throughout the regular season when they changed their hitting coaches. It looked like it was finally something they were progressing in a little bit. And then all of a sudden, it just went away, even in the Cleveland season. Series too, they were striking out a ton. So if you're a Yankee fan, expect this player, expect this fantastic player in Aaron Judge to go elsewhere when he becomes available. I, I do not believe Aaron Judge will sign a contract with the Yankees. Even if the Yankees somewhat match what the Giants are offering, I believe he will go to San Francisco. I think he, he wants to be closer to his family. He just got married in the offseason last year. I think him and his wife want to raise their kids in a place where family is. As much as he's loved being here in New York and has been the centerpiece of the New York Yankees organization for the last five years, I believe at the age of 30, going to be 31, he will be signing a contract with the San Francisco Giants. And that was my prediction Mm -hmm. for the last two years. I have said this. I wouldn't be surprised. He grew up a San Francisco Giants fan. He also liked the Giants. Believe it or not, he, lo- he loved the Boston, uh, Boston Red Sox. You can check out some images throughout his young career when he has gone out. He was wearing Boston hats, Boston jerseys. He grew up you know, a Boston Red Sox slash San Francisco Giants fan. He was never a Yankee fan. He really wasn't. Now, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't prove anything on why he is going to decide to go to San Francisco. That has nothing to do. And and I don't even think the fans have anything to do with it either. I think it has everything to do with his family, the money he's going to make. He is going to be, no no doubt, the highest paid player in the major leagues yearly uh, when the Giants give him a contract. Now, he is going to be overextended at least eight years with the Giants mm-hmm. if he leaves. The eight Yankees. years, three twenty, I think, is what the projected market value is for that. So, uh, if he does get that, he's going to be making close to fifty million a year. So it's it's crazy how much these players are making. And uh, listen, Aaron Judge deserves it after the season that he had this year. Almost won a triple crown, won the batting title. I uh, I mean, he didn't win the batting title, but he 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 broke the home run record in the American League. And uh, he was one of the best hitters throughout the league. So shout out to Aaron Judge. He deserves all the money that he gets. You can't attack him or take shots at him because he decided to get and take the most money. But uh, Yankee fans, uh, I think sometimes you just need to sit back and relax 
and and maybe sometimes just keep your remarks to yourself because it it does piss off players. They are prima donnas now, and they 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 like the fans to back them up no matter what. And Aaron Judge was not very happy about that, as what we have read by Andy Martino. Right, so. and, and also when you look at the pressure that already comes with the postseason, the the Yankees versus the Astros especially, that's the monkey off your back that you're trying to get owned after the Astros won in 2017 and 2019. Granted, the whole cheating scandal too, but still, nevertheless, that's the monkey off your back that you're trying to prove. You're trying to redeem yourself in a way. The Astros have done it in 2020 and 2021. They haven't won the World Series yet, but they've been consistently good even after the whole cheating scandal, even after losing a lot of those players too. Where is that, where is that going to happen for the Yankees? So I just think the fans have to realize, all right, there's a line to be drawn here. There's also a situation, too, where Aaron Judge, you're going to want to be able to keep him a Yankee, too. How much of an impact they will have, I don't know. But there is a, a line to be drawn because you don't know what's going through these players' heads a lot of the time, too. And the report even said it wasn't just Aaron Judge, too. It was a lot of the other Yankees teammates that just felt it felt it was a culture that made it hard for them to play in, too. And especially it gets going against an Astros pitching staff that's so deep. They had the best bullpen in the American League last year, or this year. And they had a very deep starting rotation. That's already a lot of circumstances to already have to go against too so it just makes it harder I think they should have realized after game three or even during game three some of those fans too that maybe this kind of thing is not working because it's not sparking Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez pitched well amidst all that and the hitters really didn't do anything as far as the Brewers are concerned this David Stearns thing I I believe they knew and the Brewers knew that he was going to step down I think the Mets knew that he was going to become available and I know that Steve Cohen and David Stearns have a good relationship. Uh, David Stearns is a New York native, and he's I think he's a New York native, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, not sure. look I'm pretty sure that he is. Um, but he's a guy that a lot of people and a lot of Med fans have wanted for years. And uh, being that he has really built that Brewers team into a fantastic franchise, that franchise that has had a winning culture really for the last five, six years. Yep, you're right. Uh, Stearns was born and raised in Manhattan. Yeah, I was. I, I, I know he grew up a Met fan. That's what I do know. And um, but nevertheless, I, I think the Mets are trying to bring in Met guys, and I think David Stearns is a guy. Now, Steve Cohen did speak out today, and he did say that he is not reaching out to David Stearns. Now, maybe that's a curveball. Maybe he doesn't want anybody to know that that's what's going to happen in the next couple of days. But I I believe by next week after the World Series, when Brian Cashman signs that three- to four-year extension with the Yankees, David Stearns will be announced as the Mets' new president of the organization. Yeah, and I think this is something that's been inevitable for a while, especially now that you mentioned he's from New York, too. Mets yep. fan ties. That's a big reason Steve Cohen. He grew up a Mets right. fan, it's and he big... knows Steve Cohen very, very well. Yep. That's what I heard. Yep, and that's a big reason Steve Cohen wanted to buy the team in the first place. He's a Mets fan. He wants to embrace the Mets fan culture and make it kind of their team, even though, again, I don't know if they'll ever surpass the Yankees in terms of the overall popularity nationally. They definitely could try to do it within the city, too, with the way Steve Cohen could spend money and bring all these guys in. And that's the next step for the Mets. They need something that's different from the spending money as it is. And you look at the way the Brewers are. Yeah, they're giving out a couple bad contracts. Lorenzo Cain, that didn't work out well. Christian Yelich, after he got hurt, not looking well either. But Spank you very much! But the Brewers as a whole have been operating on good trades, building up good pitching, and developing players well. Trades from other teams' farm system. You look at somebody like Willie Adamas from the Rays, who was one of their top prospects who they got. Uh, 
Luis Arias, one of the Padres guys that didn't have room for it. He's turned into a nice hitter for them. The Mets need that kind of thing. The Mets have a lot of guys that are going to be free agents right now. They're not going to be able to replace everybody through trades and free agency Listen, like they did Speedy, last year. A hundred, a hundred million tells me that he is going to spend that hundred million dollars this offseason. He is going to open up his pockets. I believe they'll sign Jacob DeGrom. I was speaking to the Beave last night when I went to the Islander and Ranger game. By the way, <laughs> that game was fantastic. I didn't boo. I wasn't jumping around. I wasn't pressing on the Ranger fans. By the way, there was a lot of Ranger fans at the Islander game yesterday. A fantastic show. Uh, you know, I like that. I like when the Ranger fans come and the Islander fans, there was no fights really. I mean, the drums were a, a, a bit annoying. I mean, I'm an Islander fan. It was definitely annoying, but... I had fun, and the Ranger fans and the Islander fans, uh, you know, obviously, Dennis Podvin. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the socks now. The socks, That's right. uh, that was funny. Yep. I mean, it was great. I had a good time, and, and the Beef was crying, as always. You know, but nevertheless, uh, it was a great game, and uh, the Islanders shut out the Rangers 3 to nothing. Was, and uh, shout he, out to Sorokin. Was he clamoring to trade Panarin again? <laughs> no, nah, Panarin was the best guy on the ice. I know. <laughs> He really was. He was fantastic yesterday. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Rangers couldn't put the puck behind uh, Sorokin. And that's why Sorokin's one of the better and more interesting young goalies that we're going to watch this year in the NHL. So uh, to finish up before we get our special guest on, uh, I-, I think this was this is an interesting move. But I'm not surprised that this has happened. And I, and I believe as we've moved forward... With the New York Mets, because I'm telling you guys, the reason why you have not heard that Steve Cohen has reached out to David Stearns is because he's already talking to him. And I believe David Stearns believes, by the way, that uh, Brian Cashman is possibly going to become available. If he becomes available, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Cohen brings David Stearns as the VP of baseball operations and then bring Brian Cashman in as the president of operations. I wouldn't be surprised. He's got all the money in the world. And if Brian Cashman gets let go by the Yankees, which I believe he won't, because there are stories coming out that the Yankees are retaining uh, Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. So I know the Yankee fans don't want to hear about Aaron Boone. I don't know why, but uh, Aaron Boone will be back at least one more year with the New York Yankees. When we come back... We will be talking to Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, Jets and Yankees reporter, Max Goodman, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. You like that, Speedy? What are you, an arcade video game? I don't know what it was. It sounds like, it sounds like Pac-Man. It's a nice sound. You know, that's my new sound every time I come back from break. 631-672-3108 is the number, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you're listening to the Sports Loud Mounts. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or World. Wide Sports Radio Network on Android. Well, well, well. We got a Yankee and Jet guy coming on, and I'm very excited to have him on. And it's the first time he's on the Sports Loudmouth, so that'll be interesting. We are now talking to Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Jets and Yankees reporter Max Goodman. Max, what's up, bud? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Well, I mean, I'm I'm very excited about the Jets. I mean, 
you have to be excited about what you've seen, even though the injuries really were a downer last week. But all in all, I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm taking receipts, baby. I'm taking Salah's receipts and spending them. But nevertheless, the Yankee fans are really uh, a downer. And these stories coming out from uh, Yankee Nation, you can't be happy on what you're hearing from Aaron Judge and some of the Yankees because of the boos, the wham wham boos at the ALCS. You're professional baseball players. You're making millions of dollars. You can boo me. I'll stand in that box. You boo me. You could call my mother. You know what? I could give a rat's you know what. I'm going to smack that ball wherever it's coming. So, but, again, the Yankee fans, they want to be prima donnas like half these football players. Go right ahead. But how are you? How are you and your family doing from the, obviously, pandemic? Uh, everybody's good. You know, I'm uh, very lucky to be in the position I am. Uh, you know, boots on the ground covering the Yankees. So, mm. uh, it's it's been a long season. Mm. Uh, in, in a way, it was nice to get into the off season because I, I think I burned out uh, a couple <laughs> months ago. But yeah, now I get to transition a little bit of my focus to the to the Jets side. Obviously, Yankees content never really stops. There's never a dull day. Mm. But yeah, it uh, should be an eventful winter for that team as well. Well, why don't we get into the Yankees first and then we'll finish up with the Jets because there's a lot to talk about the Jets, but even more with the Yankees. And the Yankees now this offseason, there are three names that are popping up. Are they coming back? Or are they gone? Number one, Brian Cashman, which we have heard over and over and over again before the season's end, before the playoffs, that Hal is retaining him no matter what. That's what we've heard. I believe that to be true. Then it was Aaron Boone. If Aaron Boone doesn't get this team to the World Series this year, he is gone. Yankee fans can't stand him. I have no idea why, but they cannot stand him, even though this guy has been the winningest Yankee manager in a five-year span than any Yankee manager in history. And then we're hearing Aaron Judge, the big bopper, the 60 home, 62 home runs. He breaks the American League record. He almost wins the batting title. He almost wins the Triple Crown. He's going to San Francisco, which I predicted two years ago. What are your thoughts to these three, three pieces to the Yankees puzzle going into the offseason? It's a, it's a big question. I think we could talk for an hour about just that one question, you know? Um, I think you're spot on in the sense that, you know, Boone and Cashman have, in the grand scheme of things, done a, a, a relatively solid job. I think they've put this team in a position to win each and every year. If you look at just that five-year span, um, you don't want to make excuses for anybody, but I do think that injuries really did hinder this team from standing any sort of chance against the Astros. They really were missing a healthy DJ LeMahieu, a healthy Andrew Benintendi. They were desperately missing the guys in the bullpen, like a Michael King, Scott Efros, who they brought over, uh, Chad Green. I think that it would have been nice to have a healthy Frankie Montas that whole time throughout the second half. The list goes on. At the end of the day, I don't think they would have necessarily beaten the Astros regardless. So you can point fingers at anybody. You could point fingers at the guys who were healthy and did play specifically judge. I mean, he was what, like one for 16 mm. in that series. They didn't play well enough to win that series, but it goes all the way up to Steinbrenner and allocating his resources and maybe not signing the top shortstop or, or not putting his money in the right places this past off season, whatever it may be. But Cashman has made quite a few stellar under the radar deals over the last few years, specifically in the last 12 months or so, or even going back to last year's deadline. You can criticize those guys all you want, but at the end of the day, I think that 
this was a step up from 2021, right? That was such an inconsistent year. They really didn't have a chance going into the playoffs, and they lost in that one game in the wild card round. This year, they won 99 games, historically good in the first half. They battled that adversity in the second half, and the injuries did have a real impact on this team. And they just ran into a buzzkill in the Astros, who are probably going to run away with the World Series unless the Phillies are truly the the team of destiny. And they've been dominant against the Yankees these last couple of years. So that's the standard. I don't know who's necessarily at fault. I get the logic that something needs to change. Last year, they they axed the entire coaching staff, basically. And I was kind of surprised that Boone was able to stick around because of how poorly last year went. But it was a step forward from last year. The There have been a lot of deals made. It's not like Cashman's not making trades. It's not like they're not spending money. But I get that Yankees fans are entitled and, and, and want to win, right? Oh, it's been 15 years. Entitled. I get it. Cry me a river. Oh. You're, you're in the playoffs every single year, too. And, <sighs> and a 99-win season is pretty great for many, many franchises. Max, so, are you a Yankee fan? I grew up in Manhattan, a Yankee fan. But honestly... Writing you know, for them, you're not. Getting into journalism, yeah. I, yeah. I think I lost fandom in, in really every sport because mm. you're kind of conditioned to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely not a baseball fan of any team at this point. Gotcha. I grew up a Miami sports fan because my parents are from Miami. So mm-hmm. I still watch Miami Heat games and, and stuff like that. But I would tell you this. Uh, as a radio guy, I am a Yankee fan. I'm a Jet fan. I'm an Islander fan. I'm a Nick fan, but you would never know that I'm a fan of those teams because every single time my team stinks, I don't give a crap. I'm going to attack them. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm an honest fan, and I'm not going to sit here and and cry myself to sleep because the Yankees didn't get into the World Series. I know Yankee fans want to do that. I know Yankee fans want to, well, we love them. I don't want to hear it. The Astros were the better team. They were absolutely the better team. Did they cheat? I don't know. I mean, they've been known to cheat. I mean, the umpires were absolutely horrendous in that series. I mean, I could have called half the games better than half the umpires. But nevertheless, it wasn't even the umpire's, umpire's fault. I did – the first game could have went either way. The umpires definitely we, – we, statistically, we, we pulled up numbers, and the umpires were definitely on the Astros' side with Justin Verlander. But after that, it was close. I mean, the, the strike zone was very close. I, I just think watching what we have seen with the Yankees and over the last couple of years, I think the Yankees need to go another route. I think the power – in the lineup needs to change. I think you need to hit you need to find guys that can hit for average, guys that can steal bases, where you can bunt, play little league baseball. This is where and these are the we've seen some of these teams succeed. The Kansas City Royals, when they won a championship, they played little league baseball. I I mean National League Baseball is now changing to American League Baseball with the DL. There's no more shifting anymore. I think that's going to help Hitters, and I think there's going to be more. The averages are going to go up this off after this season. I believe you're going to see a lot of difference in the game, and I think maybe you know if Aaron Judge stays with the Yankees, he'll be even better as a hitter. I don't know, but uh, all these different rules and these changes uh, after the new CBA and and the rules that are going to be changed in the future, I think they definitely need electronic umpires. I I I never thought that until really going into the playoffs. But to me, I've just, 
I am tired of watching these umpires, you know, just absolutely have a strike. So, oh, it's low, so I'm going to call it low all game. Oh, it's outside and a high. I'm going to call it outside and high a strike all game. Come on, guys. I, I mean, there's a box. There's a plate. Figure out what the strike zone is already. I don't care how tall Aaron Judge. He could be 7'8", 2", or 7'8", or what the heck it is. I don't care. The strike zone is the same. How stupid can you be? But anyways, I'm not going to rant about this. This is all about you, my friend. Uh, We are talking to Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Jets and Yankees reporter Max Goodman. So what do you see the market value as being uh, kind of an an average for Aaron Judge, both years-wise and maybe the overall contract average annual value? It's tough to say. I've, I haven't gone through and like singled out a, a prediction of what I think he's actually going to make, but it is really hard to quantify. I mean, I was lucky enough to be around him and the team all season long, and I got to travel as much as I could. I was in Toronto for 61 and, and that kind of stuff. So I really don't think you can put a monetary value on it of just how valuable he is to this team. On the basis of between the lines, I mean, he carried this club through their their highs and lows throughout the year. You ask anybody else in that clubhouse from the veterans and the guys he's close to, like an Anthony Rizzo, to the rookies and, and the, the nobodies in the grand scheme of things because they're brand new to this league. And Judge is, is making them feel comfortable. He's a leader in the clubhouse. He's a captain-like figure. And then in terms of, of marketing and, and what he means to the fan base, I mean, he's the closest thing to what New York has seen since Derek Jeter, I think it's fair to say. So is he deserving of the biggest contract for an outfielder ever? I, I, I mean, he's got to be up there in terms of what the Bryce Harpers and, and the Mike Trouts and the Mookie Betts, those types of guys have made. But I don't think it helps that he's on the wrong side of 30. So is a team really going to be willing to give him eight, nine, ten years? I mean, probably not. Those types of contracts don't always pan out you look at like an Albert Pujols, for instance, guys are going to start to trail off in their skills as they get older. I mean, that makes sense in every sport. So, you know, I, I, I think a, a team out there is going to overpay and give him a very lucrative deal. The Yankees didn't give him enough with their offer before spring training, and that's why he declined it, bet on himself, and it certainly worked out for him. But to give you a specific monetary, I mean, what, what do you guys think? Like, I'll base my answer off of that. I think he's gone. <laughs> I think he's going to San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to give him eight years, 320, 325. He's going to be the highest paid player in Major League history. Um, after doing what he has done the last two years, back-to-back years, and he's been fairly healthy, I I think that's where he's going. I, I think he wants to go home. I, I know he doesn't want to admit it. But that's where his family is. That's where he grew up in uh, the Bay Area. He always saw himself eventually playing in San Francisco. I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but uh, his mother seems like a really, really nice lady. His father looks like he's cool and down to earth. And I, I think he, he just got married in the offseason last year. So I think it's best that, to believe that he wants to be closer to his fam and i and i i understand if that's what he decides to do as a yankee fan that's my question that's my next question by the way we are talking to sports illustrated fan nation jets and yankees reporter uh max goodman max you look at this offseason they lose aaron judge luis savarino's gone tyone is gone um they they open up 
maybe between 60, 70, maybe even $80 billion. I've been saying this on this show. Maybe the Yankees sit still. They bring back everybody else, the DJ LeMayus, let Ben Attendi go, let all, you know, Bader go. Uh, bring up the young players, Dominguez and Volpe. See what you have with the young players. Pereza, trade Glaber Torres. He had a pretty good season. He was pretty good in the playoffs. He was the only one really hitting in certain aspects. Maybe you trade Glaber Torres. He made a lot of mistakes on the field, by the way. Defensively, he was horrible. But maybe you move on from him. You trade him away, get some pieces, and then bring the young players up and see where they fit. And then next offseason, when Soto and Otani and all these great players are available, maybe then you open up the pockets and say, you know what? Let's get Soto. Let's get Otani and really shut people up and show them, show them what the Yankees are all about. You want to call us the Empire Strikes Back? Well, Empire Strike Back after, you know, next year when you win 85, 87 games and maybe barely make the playoffs. What, what are your thoughts to that? Do you see that happen with the Yankees or do you see Brian Cashman dipping in the Steinbrenner uh, safe? What do you think? Well, the first step is is judge, obviously. So in this scenario, if he's leaving, that does free up quite a bit of money mm-hmm. and a, a spot in the outfield. I, I'm side note, I'm not entirely sure that he's leaving. I can still see a scenario where he stays, mm-hmm. that he has unfinished business, he wants to stay biggest market, have a chance to win a ring every year, that kind of stuff. But I do get the the familial aspect and, and going back home and all that too. So we'll see. But let's say in this scenario he does leave and a ton of money is freed up. As much as there are some youngsters that are up and coming and close, I, I think Oswald Peraza is, you know, potentially your opening day shortstop, mm-hmm. if not opening day at second base. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Isaiah Conner-Falefa. He's under contract for next year, but even he seemed to think that there's a chance that he won't be back mm-hmm. based on what he said in the, you know, in the clubhouse right after their loss in game four. He's gone. Um, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, you can go through the roster, Josh Donaldson. At oh, third. please. <laughs> Josh Aaron Donaldson Hicks. is a th- – I wanted to throw up every time he was up. Uh, what the hell is he swinging at? I mean, I, I felt the breeze. I'm watching the game in my, my own house, and I felt the breeze on every single high fastball he was swinging at. The guy is an idiot, man. And uh, even on the field, defensively he might be decent. The guy doesn't shut up. He's panting. He's yelling at people, fans, and you know, players on the other side. He, I, I, I could see why people hate him. I mean, because he's just a nasty person. Well, that's one of the the deals that you know I mentioned. Cashman made a lot of great trades. That that one wasn't one of them. I think it didn't necessarily work out. But IKF did his job as a stopgap. It didn't necessarily work out in the playoffs, and he ended up getting benched. But you know, he he played average, above average defense. If you look at the metrics and he put the ball in play, he was up there in, in games played and, and certain metrics, depending on how you look at it, if you want to take either side. But I'm not sure if Anthony Volpe is, is ready right away uh, based on the trajectory of how he's been slowly going up in the minors. I think maybe he's called up early, midway through the season. But yeah, it depends on what they do with, with Torres. You've got LeMahieu there and he, he plays the infield. Is Rizzo coming back? Because then if Rizzo's gone, then LeMahieu would go to first, that kind of thing. So there are a lot of different questions. Is Oswaldo Cabrera going to be on the infield where he is an infielder by trade, but he did such a great job in the outfield? Maybe he's a candidate to replace Hicks in left or Judge. And I mean, he did a great job in right defensively. So I was looking around the clubhouse after the loss in, in game four. Was it last week at this point? Uh, and, and looking at the nameplates and thinking like there could be a lot of changes 
come opening day in this clubhouse. And maybe they do take some sort of, uh, what would you call it, a soft rebuild with what you were saying, mm -hmm. where they don't really go all in and, and pay for the big guys this offseason and wait for the next one. That's not what is going to win them games, though. I mean, the AL East, everyone kind of figured the, the Blue Jays would run away with it and the, the Rays aren't going anywhere. It's a really talented division. Orioles are, are up and coming. So if they went that route, I don't know how they contend necessarily, especially if Judge leaving. I mean, he was he was far and away their best player in 2022. So I think they need to address their rotation, maybe sign another starter. I think they got to figure things out with who's closing games. If it is Clay Holmes, if it is Michael King coming back from injury, they've got to figure that out because that was such a, a distraction and I think a, a deterrent in the bullpen with the decisions that needed to be made every time. Who is it going to be? It's nice to just have your Mariano Rivera, you know what I'm saying? And then the lineup, there, there were so many changes as much as the team improved defensively and, and improved in different ways. If you take Judge out of that picture, this is not a 99-win team, mm. right? So they would need to make a lot of additions to soften the blow if they did let Judge walk, assuming he's going to put together a similar type of MVP caliber season uh, next year and beyond. So, yeah, you, you can totally see them going after Soto or, or Otani down the road, but they're also not that far off, right? I mean, if they re-sign Judge, bring Benintendi back, or or choose a couple of other guys to, to fill in those question marks that I just went through, they could still go out and win 90-something games and, and win a division and be in the same position against the Astros again next year. And lose year. against the Astros again. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's the big overarching question and, and something that someone asked DJ LeMahieu when he was speaking about it, like, how do you beat this Astros team? And he said, that's a question that we all really need to ask ourselves as we go home for this offseason. Because that is, I think they should attack the offseason with that in mind. Like, look at how they've been able to have this sustained success and keep getting to the CS and getting to the World Series. What is it that they're doing? Is it the fact that they're playing their young guys and having Jeremy Pena at shortstop? Should they be promoting Volpe already? Maybe that's the logic that you said. Or... Are they betting on a guy like Justin Verlander and paying big bucks for someone oh, that's please. older and a veteran? Maybe they need to do that with starting pitching. So, you know, you could follow what they're doing, mix in your own perspective with, with their analytics department and their front office and all that stuff. And you try to put together another 99 win team because then in the playoffs, anything can happen, but they just, they, they ran into the better club, like you said, and, and that was going to be the result. So I want to move on to the Jets. Uh, they had a multitude of injuries in this last game. Um, I want to start with Elijah Vera Tucker, though, because I think that's the one that's going to be most impactful because he's one of the most unique offensive linemen in the league. He's played four positions. His speed for his position on the offensive line is very unique, for, especially for that scheme. So how do you think they'll be able to replace that kind of thing, both within their roster and also schematically with what Mike LaFleur likes to do? Losing AVT is is arguably a bigger loss than, than Brees Hall and he just meant so much to them in terms of the versatility, like you said, moving to different spots because they've been dealing with like the Yankees. I mean, killer injuries on the offensive line for the Jets so far. They invested so much in that position and it hasn't really panned out for them so far. Uh, for a team with the the running game that they have, I mean, you got to, if it's the next man up mentality or you've got a few days now before the trade deadline to maybe go out and get a, a veteran that you can just rely on at guard if, if you're, I forget the guy's name who who filled in for AVT at right tackle that they they brought in, um, but it's it's oh, a lot of Herbig. Herbig, yep. Herbig's at guard. Yes. yes. Are you talking else. about the tackle position? 
Yeah. Oh, they have. That's where ABC was, they have Fonten and Max Mitchell. Font will be back this week. He'll be moving right. into that position again. I, but they're they're worried that Font isn't 100 percent healthy, and that's why uh, Joe Douglas is speaking about maybe making a move, maybe bringing in Conklin, uh, shifting Conklin maybe to the right tackle position. Uh, he has experience at the right tackle position, you know. So maybe they do that. Maybe they. Uh, who's the kid from Texas, Speedy? Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil's another guy that we've heard. Uh, where the Jets might move in and, and, and maybe scoop him up, but they're going to have to pay him, and that does hurt them uh, in the offseason, maybe bringing in another player or maybe even uh, re-signing Quentin Williams, which could be a big problem. So it, it, there's well, the, a lot. The big thing with the Jets is they're in such a unique position right mm-hmm. now because you're 5-2, and two, but I think that everyone can agree that their best days are after this year. Oh, 100%. 2023, yeah. 2024, right? They're exceeding expectations right now. So Douglas needs to really – balance the going all in and making the trades right now using your draft capital to get better for this season when you try to envision them in a playoff game i'm not sure how far they would really go versus okay we're doing great right now let's learn from this and next year we still have picks and we still have money to spend in free agency that we're going to be in a better position to be even better than this at this point 12 months from now Hmm. so you know the fan base is incredibly excited and i think that that the Jets have shattered expectations so far, which is great. You know, their schedule doesn't necessarily get easier at this point. So don't expect them to be, you know, 10 and four, if that's what they're on pace for to, you know, doubling where the season is right now. Right. But you got to overcome those. In- losing Hall is, is huge. They were leaning on the run game significantly because Zach Wilson hasn't exactly knocked defensive socks off since mm-hmm. he came back from his injuries. So can Wilson develop and, and step up? Will they figure out what's going on at wide receiver? Is Elijah Moore going to settle back in, or is he on the move? What, what's the future with Denzel Mims? But the bottom line is they're they're showing what the future holds, and this defense is really something special, it looks like. They're playing well on special teams, and they have the pieces on offense to contend. So now you get to see him play the Patriots two times in three weeks, see him play the Bills, and, and we'll see what happens. We are talking to Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, Jets and Yankees reporter Max Goodman. And it's so funny, you bring up Elijah Moore, who is a big ass, okay? I am just so tired of listening and reading the post on social media, Twitter. Uh, now he's he's putting up Psalms. and I mean, he might as well pretend that he's Jesus. He, he's Kanye West 3.0. I mean, he is a, a complete idiot. And now all of a sudden he's making handshakes with Braxton Berrios. I could care less what he does. Just go on the field and catch the damn ball and stop complaining that you're not Seeing the ball. Get open, you idiot. That's all you have to do. Get open. This has been the problem with the wide receivers. Garrett Wilson, I, I don't think he has a connection right now with Zach Wilson. I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to be fu- he's going to be a fun player to watch when they figure things out. And I and Mike LaFleur, and I, I think he's done a decent job. Uh, could he wake up? I, I mean, seriously, where the hell is he? I, I mean, it, there are games that he's running the ball too much, and then there's guys open, and he says, you know what, Zach, you're not throwing the ball. You're running the damn ball. They run too much. They have to open up the field. They have to let Zach Wilson figure things out. Stop pampering him. Remember Jared Goff? Remember what the Rams did with Jared Goff? They ruined him. And that's what they're doing with Zach Wilson. This kid could do those things that we've seen Patrick Mahomes do. We've seen what he can do on the run. Let him use his legs. Stop pampering him. They're, I am so tired of watching. These are 
players that you drafted. These are guys that you expect. If you're a top three pick, Sam Darnold went in the garbage. Mark Sanchez went into the garbage. I, I don't know. Geno Smith, now he's playing well with Seattle. Give me a break. I'm tired of watching this garbage. Go out there. Let these guys play the game. Win or lose, we are going to be good for many, many years. Garner is a stud. I think Garrett Wilson is a stud. I think Elijah Vera Tucker is a stud. Quinton Williams is showing you why the Jets drafted him three years ago. He's a stud. They have players that you can be excited about. Something that we have not talked about as Jet fans. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. No matter what happens this year. And by the way, if somehow they squeak into the playoffs... I'm telling you right now, if they can run the ball and they can control the clock and play defense like they've been the last couple of weeks, I do not want to play the Jets. I don't know about you. What are your thoughts to that? Sure. No, I think that their their defense has been a, a force to be reckoned with this year from the the youthful rising star perspective with, with Quinnen and, and Sauce and then the veterans too. I mean, the the safeties and, and DJ Reed at corner, they've really started to step up after a slow start. You got you guys you can rely on at linebacker, and their best position is is the defensive line. I don't think we've really even seen what the peak of that group could be in terms of their rotation, how they keep moving different guys in to make sure they're rested. But the the star power they have there. Um, to go back to what you were saying, though, I mean, as much as you want Zach Wilson to really spread his wings, mm. you have to also think of what's been working lately, and that's the other part of why what more did was confusing because you're on a team that's winning. They won four games in a row and their passing numbers have been low across the board in that span since Wilson came back. Reese Hall has been doing so well and the running back has been working well. The The passing game is is yards after the catch and, and short passes like that. So you want Wilson to test it and, and see what he can do in his second year. Cause he's only played in 17 games so far. He didn't had the injuries, you know what he can do, but it's only been flashes. He hasn't been able to sustain that in terms of a full game, throwing 50 passes and, and doing well at it and not turning the ball over. So do you want to continue winning games when the running game is doing well? You want to stick with that. Maybe that's what LaFleur's mindset has been versus, all right, we're going to abandon that plan and see if we can win now by switching things up. It's also worth noting that they've played against some really quality defensive units in in Denver and Green Bay and now New England and and Buffalo coming around the corner as well. So I'm not I'm not sure you've got a, another couple of years with with Wilson to really see what he can do and they can slowly start to mix in those those deeper balls and letting him play off schedule and all of that. But that also happens organically too, right? I mean, you you see it sometimes when he evades the pass rush, he's able to throw the ball deep. The, the big deal with him is that he isn't turning the ball over. And he hasn't since he got back from injury, I believe. He hasn't yep, thrown a pick not, yet. He so. threw two picks in the game that he came back with when they came back and they won the game. And he hasn't lost since he's come back. And he hasn't thrown any interceptions since that first game coming back. Not one. Yeah. So the the big deal is is starting to get that chemistry with with Garrett Wilson and and picking up where things left off with, with Corey Davis and, and Braxton Berrios and – Losing Hall is big because you were finally seeing him start to find his own and be that explosive RB1 that they hoped they were getting when they traded up for him in the second round. So now that running With back room With the Giants, still... by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you for noting. Woohoo! You draft a receiver that can't stay healthy, and you guys get I love, Hall. I love pissing off the Giant fans. <laughs> 
Now he's the number one receiver. Why? Wondell Robinson can't stay healthy all year. Now stuck as the number one receiver. And you guys have Brees Hall. Uh, oh, by the way, Tony's with the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm not, that one I'm all right with. I'm just mad at that whole draft process, Dave Gettleman. I mean, I want Devontae Smith at first. Then oh, they, he goes to the Eagles. Oh. They, they could draft for Sean Slater. Great tackle last year. They could draft him. Nope, let's not do that. Okay, they trade back. They get an extra first round pick. Fine. The kid I wanted after that is the kid Owusu on the Browns who's playing very well as a hybrid safety linebacker. Nope. Mm. Nope. Kadarius Tony, who plays barely and with the Giants. The human joystick, that's what they call him. Well, no, that, that's Tariq Cohen. He, he had that name first. He's playing uh, human joystick with uh, Pat Mahomes now. And we'll see how great he turns out to be, which I... He'll probably play you. more running back than wide receiver, knowing oh, that system. Oh, fantastic <laughs> player, by the way. I, I think the Giants are made a big mistake trading him away. That's just my opinion. But anyways... Um, we really appreciate you, man. Uh, I, I've been reading some of your stuff uh, and, and really seeing, first of all, you your wordplay and, and you're very precise on how you use your words. I, I think it's fantastic. And uh, maybe I should uh, use some of your vocabulary. So send me your top words so I can use it on my radio show because it <laughs> definitely can help me out. My vocabulary is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a little hintless. I, I don't know. I, I would go... Mediocre. Speedy's a little bit better with the words, but, you know, I have the energy and the craziness, so I I guess it works. But uh, you're awesome, and I I think people need to read your stories and what you do. I I think you're fantastic, and keep up the good work, and we'll get you on. I want to get you on again uh, and talk more uh, Jets and Yankees as the season progressively moves. And maybe when winter meetings come up, and I tell everybody, two years ago, I told you Aaron Judge will not be a Yankee. He's going to San Francisco. Maybe everybody will start to listen. Listen to me just a little bit more. You know what I mean? <laughs> because uh, I'm just – I'm getting sick and tired of being always right. I'm just kidding. I'm never right, but whatever. Uh, Max, thank you for joining us, bud. Of course. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I appreciate you saying all those nice things. Oh, it's true. I, I, I only tell the truth, by the way. I don't lie. I'm not <laughs> kissing your ass. I don't do that. I don't go – Maybe Speedy does, but I don't do God. that. <laughs> it's very unsanitary, but okay. I, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for people and their, their writings and, and really what they do and how hard they work. And you can see on every article that you write that you're, you're really precise on, on what you follow and what you're, you're putting on a piece of paper and I, I, or typing up. It's fantastic. And, and guys, uh, by the way, tell, tell everybody how they can find you and how they can search you uh, on sports, you know, your Sports Illustrated articles. Sure. Uh, I really only tweet about the Yankees because that's, that's where I am in terms of watching games in person and in the clubhouse and such. So uh, Twitter is at Max T. Goodman. But in terms of both of my sites, uh, Yankees coverage is on si.com slash MLB slash Yankees. It's also called Inside the Pinstripes. And then the Jets site is si.com slash NFL slash Jets. You're noticing a trend there. Oh, yes. And uh, that one's called Jets Country. So a lot to talk about, like I said at the at the top. You know, it's it's I think it's exciting for New York sports fans, right? A lot, a lot of teams yeah. are are close right now. As much as there haven't been some championships lately, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's great for this town and and across the river and and East Rutherford to have the Giants and Jets both doing well so far. Again, I don't know how how far they'll go, but Yankees and Mets are right there. Basketball season's getting underway. So ah, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Nash is getting thrown out of games. I'm loving it. Oh. 
oh, Ben Simmons getting thrown out of games and fouling out. And Kevin Durant looks like he has a sopping face on his face all the time. It's wonderful. Did you see Simmons airball a layup? Yes, fantastic. (laughs) Wonderful. This is the best basketball I've ever seen, by the way. Thank you, Brooklyn, for giving us the clown nation. It's no longer the Jets. The Brooklyn Nets are the clowns of the NBA. Wonderful. Kyrie, keep dribbling that ball because you're going to be dribbling it outside of the Barclays Center. Thank you very much. Uh, the Nets, what a joke. Uh, but the Knicks are winning. That's a good thing. Yep. <laughs> That's, That's a good thing. The Knicks have the best point guard in New York. They do. <laughs> For right now. We'll see how long that lasts. But, uh, you know. Max, thank you, bud. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Max uh, have a good day after your show. Goodman, ladies and gentlemen, Sports Illustrated, Fan Nation, Jets, and Yankees reporter. Wonderful. Mm, yes, Fantastic. Absolutely. I told you, his wordplay uh, precise. Fantastic. Perfect. Uh, we're waiting for, well, we had Alex. A- Alex was in. He has a, had some Wi-Fi issues. So All right, just, so uh, we'll get Alex on, uh, and we'll be talking to, uh, yep. oh, there he is. He'll be back. All, All right. right, why don't we go to a quick break, and then we'll have the wonderful. We will be talking to New York Post feature reporter. Alex Mitchell, as he talks a little Yankees, Giants, Islanders. Yes, he's an Islander guy. I love it. Uh, when we come back here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. That's right. We are loud and rambunctious, but we are here, ladies and gentlemen, as always. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, Apple, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout out to Max Goodman. He was fantastic. He really was. Uh, a great wordplay. Everything. His Yankees and Jets terminology and his crazy I'm loving it but we have another guy um, I'm very excited to have him on uh, New York Post I've been reading the New York Post for a very very long time and why not bring in a New York Post guy uh, we are now talking to New York Post feature reporter Alex Mitchell Alex what's up bud what's going on guys thanks for having me on really happy to be here really thrilled to be on the show we really happy we some news with the Yankees mm. Very great news with the Giants. I know you're a big fan, as I just heard a couple <laughs> minutes ago. And uh, Islanders shut out the Rangers. So, ah, um, yes. Well, actually, I'm the Giants fan. He's the Islander fan, and he's the Yankee fan. So. Perfect. Perfect. I was at the Islander and Ranger game yesterday. I was oh, sitting. Wonderful. I was I was in a beautiful seats. I was in perfect seats in the in the dime area, the diamond area. I was eating free food. It was beautiful, and I got a chance to watch Sorokin shut. Down the New York Rangers. I loved it. Yes. Yes. All the crowd screaming and the Ranger friend. Drinking beer when they left. And as you saw, there was no fighting. You know why? Because the Rangers had nothing to fight about because they got shut out. It was great. It was fun. And by the way, the person that I went with, the beef, we call him, he was crying and scratching. I'm surprised he didn't jump off a ledge and kill himself. I'll be, the Rangers played great. They outplayed the Islanders in that game, and I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I'm sorry I'm taking over your spot, but they completely 
tormented the Islanders, and it was just because of the great Sorokin on why they won that game. That's just my opinion. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to New York Post feature reporter Alex Mitchell. So why don't we get into it, my friend? We talked a little Yankees with Mr. Goodman. So why don't we get into your thoughts this offseason? Where do the Yankees go? Do they let go of Judge? Do they let him go to San Francisco? Does Brian Cashman come back? Because we know Hal said that Aaron Boone will be back. So where do the Yankees go this offseason? That is a million-dollar question, or perhaps a couple of million, probably several hundred million dollars for Aaron Judge. I think that, and I believe Cashman's quoted saying that, you know, Judge has a pot of gold waiting for him this this offseason. Personally, in my opinion, I think it's a bring-back-at-all-cost move. Now, whether or not Judge wants to, maybe he does want to go out to California. He was born and raised there. He's married. Maybe he that's where he wants to raise his family, closer to home, closer to where he grew up. And, I mean, going back to hockey, it, that's what Wayne Gretzky did when he left Edmonton. Nobody thought he would ever leave Canada for, for sunny Southern California. You know, maybe Judge goes to Northern Cal. But it's it's very possible. But on the other hand... You're never going to have an experience outside of New York like you would even playing somewhere like the Giants or the Dodgers, which I saw today. There was some speculation about the Dodgers. And I think every single day you're going to see speculation about every single team thinks that Judge is coming to him. The Mets are convinced that that Judge is coming, or at least a bunch of the fans on Twitter were after they were licking their wounds after that brutal, (laughs) brutal wild card. And, you know, Petey, my... My condolences. That, that was a really. Rough <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think he's going to the bats. I didn't. I never labeled that. <laughs> okay, good. No, I'm not saying you were, but I I did see a lot. And you know, it's it, it. That's what always happens. He's always coming to your team until he isn't. I think that there's a decent shot. And, and again, this is just spitballing. I, I used to actually, funny enough, I used to be in the press box with Max Goodman in the 2020 and 2021 seasons back when I covered the Yankees. Uh, different beat now features, still get to do some baseball. Interviewed David Cohn around this time last year, talked about food, but he also told me that of course, I'm ready to put him in a headlock once. That was a fun interview. But, um, no, but uh, you know, just speculating, I think that there is still a large incentive for Judge to want to stay in New York he will be the king here until the day he retires and then some more. So I don't know. I, I would love it. I think that he brings a romance to baseball that's kind of been non-existent ever since, well, probably before the cheating scandal with the Astros. But <laughs> just no, there hasn't been that sort of feel or, or passion for the game. Like, like, do you remember watching games that weren't playoff contingent mm-hmm. with such fervor in the past 10 or something years? Oh, yes. Because I can't say I, I remember that. I, I remember a lot. I mean, Speedy's the baseball guy. He watches almost every game. He really uh, – he, he's a statistician, so he probably remembers more than me. But I can remember certain games that really stood out to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just judge, at least for me. And, and you know, I didn't go to a lot of games after I took my new job and I stopped covering the team for many reasons, obviously busier, but you know, it was emotional for me to get back in the stadium. But once judge hit that chase for 60 and then 61, finally 62, it was no question. I had to get tickets in the bleachers. I had to be in home run alley. I just, you know, you had to see this and he just, I don't know. There's, there's almost an innocence that he brings to the game where whether you're, you're 50, whether you're 20 year old, just, you know, going in the bleachers or you're a dad taking your kid, there's something you just want to see this guy play. And I, I remember I was, I was sitting in 106 one night where 
ironically enough, Alex Verdugo, number 99 on the Red Sox, hit a home run to our section instead, of course. <laughs> but um, Judge comes out, and he he wasn't playing right field until uh, the seventh inning, and then he comes out, he jogs out, and he gets a standing ovation just for being who he is. And I think that that's something important, not just for the morale of fans, but that's got to be good for the locker room, I imagine. That's got to be good to have someone that an entire city – rallies around and a lot is not known about you know his private life or what he's like off the field but from what we do know he he conducts himself like a class act and I think that that's something important to hold on to and then of course oh yeah probably going to add you know 30 40 home runs a season maybe Mm. more who knows maybe that 62 is going to be broken one day Mm. so I'd like to see it broken in the Bronx Yes. Uh, so uh, my question is about the market value with Aaron Judge. Uh, it's rumored right now projected to start at eight years, $320 million from what uh, a couple of baseball writers have said. Do you think it'll get higher with, especially if teams like the Red Sox go into it? Because they're, they're going to want to steal it from the Yankees for sure. We've heard that. Uh, the Giants obviously being the favorites right now. What do you think will end up ultimately being the market value for them? That's a good question. Um, I I don't know, but I, I think that it would probably be maybe shorter than an eight-year contract, mm. but probably higher than, than than that many million, to be perfectly honest. Really? I, I, I think so. I think because, again, he is not just an asset to the team. He's an attraction to the city wherever mm. he goes. People will come out, and I, I saw this in September. Tourists were going to those Yankee games just to have a chance to see Judge play. People from from England, Ireland, Europe, who knew nothing about the game, you know, it, it's the same effect as like like seeing Leo Messi play soccer. Mm. You come out to see him, and I think that that is a major component here. At maybe it wouldn't be the same outside of New York, but at least here there is that phenomenon where he is. There are the Yankees, and then there's Aaron Judge. And you have him almost as a separate entity in a very exciting way. Interesting. Uh, we are talking to New York Post feature reporter Alex Mitchell. Let's get on to the Giants because uh-huh. uh, the Giants are playing great football. Uh, I've been very impressed. And I could see why the Giants brought Dable in and why team the players are thriving to his game and what he's all about as a head coach. He reminds me of a young Tom Coughlin. He really has yeah. the energy personality when he talks to the the press he's he's got that like pizzazz about him which i i really love i mean judge was uh boring uh likes to point fingers type of head coach this guy he doesn't want to point fingers he he's funny he he has you know he has a pretty you know pretty good look i mean he wears his jordan sneakers when he's out on you know practice fields i mean there's just something about him that really shines what have you seen when you have been around the Giants? What have you seen that really shines and really sticks out about him? You know, going back to what you said, he's like a Tom Coughlin Jr. And I think for fans, I think for anyone who's followed the Giants, that's a major plus. And I put myself in that category too. I still was, I still stamp my feet thinking about how the Giants let Coughlin go. I did not think that that was the right protocol. I did not think it was the way to go about him leaving. I, I just still irks me to this day. And I think it still irks Eli Manning to this day. Mm-hmm. But like you said about Dable, he takes accountability. That's something you haven't really seen with Shermer, with going back to McAdoo, with Judge. And he's just bringing in a new regime in a way that's familiar to the past, but not just familiar to the past, familiar to the past ways of winning. Mm-hmm. Coughlin won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning. Dable can easily 
do that with Daniel Jones, I think. And I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine about this. And it's amazing how quickly the Giants can change with the right leadership. Hmm. Look at, and I mean, I know you've seen all the memes about the Giants have been three and 82 since the Miami boat trip and everything. That was such a stain on kind of on where the franchise was going. It, it felt like they didn't have the proper leadership. It felt like they didn't have the right direction. And now that's all but forgotten. I can't remember the last time I've been so excited about Giants football. The last two seasons, I'll be honest, and it takes a lot for me to even change a channel during the commercial break of a game. <laughs> I didn't want to watch the Giants because it was just making me sad. It was making me upset. I knew things were just not going to pan out, you know, whether it's Daniel Jones getting tackled by the field or, or whatever was going to happen. Um, but this year, it's just they're rocking. They're rolling. They got the running game right between Barkley. And now Daniel Jones is a running threat. It's incredible to see. Mm. It really is Something else. And sky's the limit. Just win, baby, win. That, that's how I'm feeling about the Giants. <laughs> well, I think Daniel Jones, the whole Philadelphia tripping on a self incident is still <laughs> is, is still a little bit of carried over from the Giants voodoo in that stadium. Because I don't think they've won there since like 2013, Chip Kelly's first year. It was like a 15 to 7 game or something. There was a bad stat they got a safety on or something like that. That's it's like the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial when the sprinkler comes up. <laughs> <I swear. laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So uh, uh, big news today with the Giants, the Canarius Tony trade. They got a third uh, con- uh, compensation pick. I think the pick that the Chiefs got for Tyreek Hill when they let him go and the sixth round pick for Canarius Tony. What did you think of that move? I don't mind it. And honestly, right now, I kind of feel like Dable's going to find a way to make anything work. So it, it, it doesn't concern me too much. I We'll see what happens. I mean, I know that there's a, a lot of speculation now that the Giants may be going after Jerry Judy because of this. And I mean, if that works out, I, I think that would be huge. But even if it doesn't, I have, like I said, I have not, I don't remember the last time I had this much faith in what the Giants are doing. And, you know, maybe maybe some of it was luck, but not all of it. I, they are proving to themselves that they're a legitimate contender. And I just, like I said, just roll with it. Whatever's going on, it's working. Just, just. Keep at it. I I don't think that um I don't think that this trade's going to come back to haunt them yet. I I, I didn't like the trade. I think Kadarius uh, Kadarius is a good player. I, I watched him play in college at Florida, and I I really think they should have waited and see what he is with that offense when he was one hundred percent healthy. I just. I, I, I didn't like it, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do bring in Jerry Judy, and maybe maybe Jerry Judy works, and, and the Giant fans will have something to cheer about. But maybe Odell Beckham is coming back. I mean, there are stories D- coming out. DJ Moore is another name that's been linked to the Giants. DJ too. Moore is another guy that we've heard as well from Carolina. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to New York Post-featured reporter Alex Mitchell. So, uh, obviously, there's about a week left or a couple days left until the trade deadline. Do you see the Giants making a significant move that can help this team move forward? They are a playoff team. The NFC is weak. Uh, I believe the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles make the playoffs this year. That's how bad the NFC is. What are your thoughts? Um, I I think other than um, a potential move for Jerry Judy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. Plain and simple. You got something working. You may not know exactly how it's working, but just (laughs) enjoy the merits of what's coming and – just just keep stringing together wins, beat the Cowboys this year on the road. That would be that'd be big. But I, I think you're right. I, I think we might see three teams from the NFC East mm-hmm. back in the playoffs. And, and that would stress me out because, you know, you look at the Giants only loss. It's to the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And 
Ooh, I don't know. It's it's fun to think about. It's exciting. I mean, you go back to the 2007 Super Bowl, beating them on the road in the divisional round. You know, it, it or even to 2011 when they it was win to get in on New Year's Day. I'll never forget that either. <laughs> blow really out. <laughs> don't scare the Giant fans about the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboy fans over here are crazy too. Let me tell you, they're oh, nutty. They are nutty. Oh, okay, and and then the Cowboys. Listen, I, I think they're a fairly good team. I think Dak Prescott makes them a little bit better. I think Zeke's, uh, you know, Zeke's playing decent football right now. And C.D. Lamb, if he stays healthy, if he stays healthy, I mean, they need to add another wide receiver. So, I, I, I and by the way, Thibodeau has looked really, really good. He's definitely been better every single week. Is just slowly but surely maturing as a pass rusher, which is something to be excited for because everybody knows when the Giants were dominant and remember in the 80s and the 90s, the early 90s when they were dominant and they went to, they won those Super Bowls and then even in the mid-2000s and 2007, 2011, what they, win, what they won with, two good tackles and a good offensive line, great pass rushers and, you know, stray hand and, uh, obviously, O.C. Amignor and Justin, Justin Tuck. Tuck. I Chris mean, Dante, yes. the list goes on. Yes. <laughs> this is what the Giants need to do. They need to build the trenches and build it through that. And and then I believe, I I, I know you can win with Dable. I think the guy, and I'm, I've told everybody, Daniel Jones, and I've always liked Daniel Jones when they drafted him. I'm the only one that stuck up for that kid. Only one that stuck up for that kid. I think he has, not only do I think he's good, I think he's much better, much faster outside the pocket than Josh Allen. I don't think he has the arm strength as Josh Allen, but he he's more accurate than people think. And I think he's fun to watch. And I even though he fell on his own legs last year, which I couldn't stop laughing about, I mean, it was like a meme for a very long time. I think the kid's the real deal. What are your thoughts? I couldn't agree more. I really think that he is. And everyone was saying he's like Eli Manning. Well, that includes everyone hating him at the beginning and probably throughout his career. But in between, he's going to have those golden moments where maybe he's got a Super Bowl run in him. Maybe he's got to. I think that he was the right type of guy for this offense. And I think now that there's been that foundation on the offensive line, you're getting back to, like you said, in the 80s, the 90s, and even with Brandon Jacobs in the in the 2000s, you know, smash mouth football is Giants identity. And now with Saquon Barkley really, really getting to run the ball, he's healthy, he has the right protection. That is so huge for the offense. And it gives Daniel Jones more flexibility where he's not dependent on every play. They know that they could pick up six or seven with Barkley. They don't need to go to Jones on every play. And then when they do, he just has more range. And you're seeing it now. You're seeing his ability to run. I don't think that that's a coincidence that once the Giants improve their running game, their quarterback is also more mobile. Mm. I think that he's... I think he's wonderful. I think that also he's shown a huge initiative in leadership this season. And that's something you didn't get at first. And, of course, he's he's young. He's new to the league. But now that he's kind of got his feet settled, he's proving why he was drafted by the New York football giants. I think that he's really bringing something, a very exciting and creative dynamic to the team. And, and going back to like what you said about maybe Odell Beckham Jr., I don't think that there's a good mesh there. I think that Daniel Jones, I think they're taking the franchise in one direction. I think bringing back someone like Beckham, who, let's be honest, he he is a case. He has his off-the-field moments, as we've seen many, many times. If you recall uh, when he attempted to uh, urinate in the end zone in Cleveland, <laughs> phrasing that as politely as I can, I, I don't think you need that. 
I think that you've got the winning pieces, and it proves. I, did, uh, raise your hand if you thought the Giants were going to be six and one at this point in time. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone, listeners included, have By their the hands up right. I had the Giants winning nine games this year. I did, I did, and I said the Giants make the playoffs. I, I have said it, uh, and, and the reason why is just the schedule. The schedule was so favorable for the New York Giants, and I, I and I, I, I did believe that they're a lot better than people say they are. I, I just. The only thing that worries me about them is in, if they make the playoffs, which they will, um, they don't have a predominant wide receiver that can make plays in the open field when need be. I, I don't think Slayton's the guy. I, I mean, I, we know Galladay isn't. I mean, Good riddance. I mean, Keep him away from the field as much as possible. I mean, there's just – I don't know – Really, what is out there on this roster that you could say, "Oh, I'm scared of this guy." You know, Bellinger looks like he's a player. I, I think he's, yeah. I think he's a good player. I, I was very surprised on the turnout who he is as a tight end. I think he's he's shown me. To, I, 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 he was a surprise. The, I don't know where he was drafted, but fourth round. He was he's fantastic. He really is fun to watch. You know what? I'll give you that. There there could be something in the receiving core where. Maybe an upgrade is uh, is coming, hopefully, before the trade deadline. Jerry and maybe Chitty. this is the calm before the storm. But like I said, even, even though there's not that guy, that threat, whatever's going on is working. Mm. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and that applies to my professional life. That applies to my love life. That applies to everything. And well, we're not going to get into your love life, okay? <laughs> yeah, that, unless you want to talk about it. I mean, no. Speedy's love really life. No, Speedy's not, love I'm not life getting is not very that. good. But uh... <laughs> See, at least you know. Now we can stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We are talking to about my point. Oh, God. Just like my girlfriend, I think the New York Giants are wonderful. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I, I see that you're an Islander fan. And uh, yeah. I I love what I saw with the Rangers. And I'm sure Speedy didn't because he's a Ranger fan. Uh, Sorry, Sor- Sorokin is uh, the real deal. I've, I've said this over and over and over again to Islander fans that this kid – is the future of this organization. This is the guy that we're going to be jumping and riding on his back. If we have any chance of winning a Stanley Cup, it has to be him. Not Falamov, none of that garbage that we've seen over the years. And every single year, it seems like he plays the Rangers, and he always loses. Uh, And Sorokin has played two games against the Rangers, and he's won both of them. And the Rangers have scored one goal in two games against Sorokin. That just tells you how much better he is than Falamov is against the Rangers. I mean, the Islanders have started off slow. It's still very early. Do There's a lot of people that don't think the Islanders are a playoff team. I thought they were out of their minds. This is one of the best defenses in the league. They have one of the best goaltenders in the league. Uh, very well respected around the league, by the way, uh, Sorokin is. Where do you see this team? They need offense. I, I mean, Lou made a big mistake not doing anything in the offseason. But he definitely uh, gave Barzell what they needed to. But Barzell hasn't scored any goals because he doesn't have any weapons around him. What are your thoughts, the Islanders? So let's backtrack. And like you're saying, a lot of people were very skeptical of the Islanders coming in to this season. And I can I can understand why. The the Barry Trotz move was was a bombshell and not in a good way. And, and I mean, and it's not a knock on Lane Lambert. I think he's doing a fine job with the team and, and stepping into very, very big shoes to fill, not just in replacing Trotz. But, hey, this is a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals two seasons in a row 
Now we got to get back there right now. We've got our new gorgeous arena. We better have some games in May and June there. So I see why people didn't think that this was going to be the year at first. But you look at the offense, it is starting to click. Yes, it's slow moving. Maybe Barzell is having a slow start, but I've got more confidence in the world than him. I, I think that he just knows when to show up in very clutch moments. He's still young. And, at, you know, th- think about where you are, 24, 25. Th- you make mistakes, but that doesn't mean you're not capable. And obviously it's very, very different. And you get paid millions of dollars, and have professional athlete, yeah, all that stuff. But, but you know, it's it's the same concept. You know, he's young. Give him, give him a little breathing room because I can think of more than enough times where Matt Barzell has saved a game, saved a playoff series with, with his heroics. But to your point also about the offense, um, Kiefer Bellows going on waivers and, and being claimed by the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little taken back by that personally. You think about the forwards that they want to carry and Ross Johnston, who's a, an enforcer. And don't get me wrong. I know for the past two seasons, he's really been grinding and showing that he's he's more than a glorified goon. Not that I think he's a goon, but that he's more than just that that fighting, you know, hit checking role. But he makes the team over Kiefer Bellows, who's someone that, um, you know, was was drafted pretty high mm-hmm. by the Islanders. And mm-hmm. I, I don't uh, – we'll see how that plays out. But that that took me back a little bit, especially with, you know, uh, Lou saying that one of the reasons for moving on from Trotz is to get a, a new voice in there. And, you know, you almost automatically translate that to you're going to see more of the Islanders' young talent like Oliver he played. He played Volamov too much. I think that was a lot – we saw too much of Alamov last year. Even when he came back from injury, it was too much of him. He should have played Sorokin. I, I have no idea what Trotz was doing, but I think that had a lot to do with it. I really do. I think that could be that there wasn't enough distribution on the goalie side. I could definitely see that, especially, you know, Sorokin is intended, as you said, he's supposed to be the future of the franchise. He is supposed to be the positive version of Rick DiPietro, what we were supposed <laughs> to in the mid-2000s. No, really. Like, like when you think about it, and, and you can – well, you could trace the Islanders' issues back to a, a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. things and a lot of years. But, you know, one of the big ones is is that they never had that franchise goalie. And you look at the Rangers, they've always had it, whether it was Richter, whether it was Lundqvist. Now, obviously, with Igor Shosturkin, they're, they're going Don't the forget about Van Beesbrook. Oh, yeah, John Van Beesbrook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Florida Panther back in the um mm-hmm. in the days when they mm-hmm. made the playoffs and won more than one series. That's <laughs> why I'm not a Ranger fan anymore, by the way. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not a Ranger fan because the Rangers decided to part ways with him and keep Richter. And I think Van Beesbrook would have won that Stanley Cup if he played in 94. So, so, wait, so you're, a, you're an Islanders converted fan? Yes. When I was... I think I was 11 years old. I was 11 years old. I I became I, I was a Van Beesburg fan. I, I did all his training camps, and I I was always a Beezer fan. I grew up, you know, worshiping him. When he was put, when he was traded to Vancouver, believe it or not, and they had Kurt McLean there, they put him on waivers, and he was the number one choice in the expansion draft to the Florida Panthers. And then I followed him to Florida. And he was with the Panthers for a while, and he went on 96 where he was just unstoppable. The gear of the rat where they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and got yeah. swept by Colorado. Uh, but he was the reason why they were there. It really was the transition when he went He went to Philadelphia for a little bit, and then he went to the Islanders. And when he went to the Islanders, I decided, you know what? He was there for a year and a half. I said, I'm going to stick with the Islanders. They stink, but I'm going to stick with the Islanders. Then he went to Pitt, Then he went to the Devils, and he finished his career with the Devils. He's the only player in New York hockey history that played for every 
one of the tri-state teams. Hit the trifecta, yeah. Yes, he's the only one that's ever done it. And he he told me that when I interviewed him at the draft in Dallas a couple of years ago. He told me straight out, he says, I'm the only one. And I, and I, I feel that I'm, I have a record that will set and set in stone. I say, you are the winningest American goalie of all time. So that's enough, okay? So I just let him know that. But nevertheless, uh, yeah. Well, I, the Islanders, I think, are in a position where I think they can make the playoffs. It's the defense and the goaltending that has to stand, you know, stand up and and stand forward. And you saw that last night against the Rangers. But uh, yeah, uh, Speedy. Good. Yeah, I was going to ask about the there were a lot of rumors with the offseason moves that they could have made and ended up not doing. Uh, do you see something like that at the trade deadline still, or, or are you kind of the same approach as the Giants? If it's working, stick with it. Oh, no, the Islanders and Giants, that is, those are very separate entities. <laughs> I want to make that very, very clear. Um, it was a very disappointing summer from the perspective of an Islanders fan. Again, I am really using my etiquette to try to be polite here because I remember I was on a train home from Manhattan when I found out that uh, Johnny Gaudreau would not be coming to Nassau County or that Matthew Kachuk would not be coming to Nassau. And the list goes on and on. This is a theme in my life that I've, I've heard many, many times. Which no, and, and I think going back to the Barzell signing, it felt really good in the wake of all that to know you had some commitment. You had someone who was legitimately interested in carrying this franchise to a, just a new high which I believe is totally achievable within, if not this season, in the next couple. And do they need to do some things? Do they obviously need to look for upgrades on offense? Of course. And will this trade deadline pan out? The hopeful person in me wants to say yes, but I just, I know better, man. I know better. <laughs> I I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't guarantee it. And, and you know, I've been also thinking a lot about how they handled Zidane Charles last mm-hmm. season. Uh, because at first I was I was a little excited about the move. I like that, you know, starts with the Islanders, ends with the Islanders. Because, you know, Islanders also have a huge history of drafting these really, really talented players who go elsewhere and have really successful careers. But we don't have to. <laughs> the dark days of Mike Milbury. sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? The dark days of Mike Milbury. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're um, talking about. Trust me. I've been an Islander fan now for, I would say, about 13 years I, uh, or 14 years. Actually, probably longer than I be. I would say I became an Islander fan when I was 18, 19 years old. So it's been actually it's been almost 20 years or over 20. Ooh. I've been an Islander fan a long time and they stink in the times of Zygmunt Palfi and Pierre Turgeon and, and, and the garbage. <laughs> and, and listen, by the way, Pierre Turgeon should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what the hell the NHL is doing. I mean, imagine how different 93 would be if he didn't get hurt, mm-hmm. really. And, and you know, you hear the name Dale Hunter, mm-hmm. you kind of wince. You, you just think, like, who are you? But, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, t- to be honest, uh, Tom Wilson in many ways reminds me of that yeah. Dale Hunter-esque mm-hmm. role. And, you know, the fact that they both played for the Capitals is only doubly fitting. And so when I see him even going back to the 2015 playoffs where he has that hit on Lubomir Viznoski, and Vesnowski uh, announces his retirement not so long after you look at those things, and it's just like, 
it, you would have hoped that the NHL might have done a little bit more in the enforcement category with, mm-hmm. with how he does things. I, I digress. Like I said, I, I have all these recessed memories of the <laughs> Islanders that just sometimes come to the surface. Um, you, you can't help, like you said, it, you know, it's been a very difficult 20, 25 years, but there's been so many great moments of hope that you just, it, it, it's like the Godfather, man. Like just when you thought they were out, they pull you right back. <laughs> like, like that's what the Islanders do. I mean, they, they start getting really good and, and you have to even credit Garth Snow mm-hmm. for acquiring Johnny Boychuk mm-hmm. and Nick Letty because that's where kind of the modern day started with that team as far as the direction that they were going in and the commitment that, like, we're not going to be the laughing stock of the National Hockey League anymore. And they proved it, and they just got better and better. And then finally, the arena woes, which have haunted them since the 1990s, get, get resolved with <laughs> the beautiful yes. UBS arena. It, it really is a phenomenal place. I mean, how many arenas can you get a bagel at? Let me let me just ask you that right <laughs> now. Seriously, no, like, like there's so much appreciation and input into what the fans want. And, and that's just really cool. And I mean, even look at the goal siren that mm-hmm. they tried to do on opening night, mm-hmm. which kind of sounded like the Ghostbusters car. I thought it was like <laughs> Halloween prank. Um, there you go. Obviously, it bombed, even though it was something back from from the early days of the franchise. But right away, they they made fun of themselves that they laughed it off and said, "We're not going to do this anymore." You know, Sparky the Dragon's putting it in the trash compactor. So, <laughs> I, I don't know too many franchises that had that kind of engagement with their fans, where it feels personal. It's not like going to Yankee Stadium, mm. where you're just kind of in this cavern of of just greatness. It feels like you're seeing like your neighborhood team. Mm. And I guess that's what back, like when the Brooklyn Dodgers were a thing, I guess that's what it felt like to walk around Brooklyn and, and see guys like Jackie Robinson just kind of, you know, shopping at your store. And then you just go to a game that afternoon. You kind of get that vibe with the Islanders in a way, just that, that sort of close tightness. And it just, I don't know, maybe it's because, because I'm from Long Island, Massapequa, born and raised, shout out to all American. Um, but you know, it just it, it feels a little more personal. Yeah, and, uh, I'm a Long Island native. Uh, Speedy is a Connecticut native, uh, but his family. My family from Long before Island. me was Long Island. Long Island. Generation. So I, yeah, I, everyone's I, from Long Island yeah. somewhere. Or for for yeah. wherever I go in my career, I always rep Long Island. I am a Long Island guy. I, I will always be here to rep everything that I do and everything that I am. Uh, never forget where I'm from, my roots. But before we let you go. Uh, one question. Speedy tells me that you're a food critic. You have a food food restaurant. Uh, you're also at, at, in the entertainment field. What do you do in the entertainment field? Um, so I do a lot of food reporting. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call myself a critic. <laughs> I do a lot of food reporting, and I get to taste a lot of good stuff. I'm sure um, you do. I like it, too. <laughs> as far as entertainment, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to interview some cool people in the past, but uh, you know, really my most recent beat with that is finding very interesting true stories that are coming to film, coming to documentary, and I try to find the real people in that mm. and i get to talk to them and, and that's something really cool like um jerry and marge go large the story about the uh that brian cranston and uh <laughs> annette benning they help a whole town scam the lottery and make money i got to talk to the actual jerry selby and he he broke down what he did mm. and that was just awesome that that was a really feel-good story of uh you know a senior citizen saying he was bored in his retirement <laughs> he figured out a way to uh you know to scam the lottery and make make thousands for good people. So, you know, I, I get to do a lot of cool stuff like that and it's awesome. All right. Well, we really appreciate everything. Uh, first of all, giving us the time and everything that you're doing when it comes to the giants and the Islanders and the Yankees and 
everything that you're doing for the New York Post, uh, definitely check out all your different things that you write and uh, keep yeah, up or, the good I, work. I want to say this David Cohn food stuff, <laughs> all that stuff. Oh, that's, yeah. That's so that was cool. That was a, a TV show that Yes Network oh, wow. was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one of the one of it was Marcus Samuelson. He was the host, mm-hmm. and he would take former Yankees and other celebrities in the city. Like, um, obviously, there's a ton of buzz about the Sopranos at the time. So Steve Sharipa and Lorraine Gracco, they took him up to Arthur Avenue. And, uh, you know, the David Cohn episode, he took them to get some barbecue like he used to have around Kansas City. And I got to talk to him about the food element. But, of course, in speaking to David Cohn, we got to talk some baseball, too. And he told me about a time, like I mentioned, where – George Steinbrenner put him in a headlock during the 2000 World Series because he convinced him that the Mets were spying on the Yankees clubhouse at Shea Stadium at the time. And George was actually believing him for a while. And when David let him know, he was just messing with him. Boom, he just puts him in like that. So, <laughs> David is a, a – I, I, I'll say this and I'll say this over and over again. David Cohn deserves a management job in the major leagues. I, I think he would be a great manager. I know the Yankees, and before they interviewed Aaron Boone, what did I tell you, Speed? I said they're going to interview David Cohn. I was very surprised he didn't get the job with the Yankees. I I really think he could be a good manager in this league. And I think if Aaron Boone is gone, whenever he does go, I think the Yankees definitely have to reach out to David Cohn again and interview him again. I think he'd be a great manager in baseball. He's a great baseball mind. I'd have to agree. He's he's definitely qualified. Mm -hmm. Well, Alex, uh, we will definitely have you on the show again. Uh, I know you're a very, very busy guy, and uh, we just really appreciate all the time that you gave us. Of course. This was awesome. I'm happy to do it again. Awesome. And hopefully I'll see you at UBS Arena sometime. Oh, you will. And I'll awesome. be dancing. I'll be dancing when we raise that Stanley yeah. Cup. That's yes. right. Yes. 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 And then Speedy's going to say, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the ring can make it well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it when the Ranger fans are just crying up the river. When we were walking outside the arena yesterday, it was so quiet. The Ranger fans didn't say nothing. The Island fans are beeping their horn like crazy lunatics, I think is ridiculous. But the Ranger fans, they were so quiet. Could you imagine if the Rangers won that game? You wouldn't have heard oh. the end of it. I was at an Islander-Ranger game last season where uh... – the Islanders were not so successful. So, yeah, I did not hear the end of it. And it just, you know, it, it felt like they owned UBS that night. Mm. Oh, I, was, I wish I could experience that. All the Ranger games I've ever gone to, they've lost. <laughs> well, you should go to more Ranger games then. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to try a road game next time. Because I'm 0 6 lifetime at Madison Square Garden. Wow. That's <laughs> it's terrible. This is this is even going back to Bad my first, first game I ever went to. I was I was in middle school. This was I think either 2007 or 2008, sometime that season. I think it was 08. And they were playing against the Islanders when the Islanders were just like the worst team in the Eastern Conference. And they still couldn't win. narrow it down, but continue. <laughs> yeah. And they lost in a shootout. I think it was four to three. Oh, Speedy. Oh, I feel bad for Speedy. He always he's just bad luck for all his teams. No, the Mets actually have a better track record. What's your record? With the I, I don't know the all-time, but I, I think they've only lost I, I got a lot more Mets games. I want to say, I it's like the only time I think it was five times that I want to say 13 they've won or something like that. I don't know the exact number, but we, I've went to a lot more Mets games and they've done a lot better with that. And the only the only one they've lost recently at, at home that I've went to was in was in 20, uh, 2019 that, or 
No, t- no, 2015. Nobody cares the, about the date, okay? 2015. <laughs> Nobody I, cares. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they have a bunch of fedoras. They gave away a bunch of fedoras. A I can see you in a fedora. The fedora year. Yeah, wow. that, it was that game. Oh, Bartolo Colon pitched against the Nationals, and a lot of Mets fans still wear those oh, to the games. God, please, Mets fans. Hey, Mets got some really great promotions. You can't deny that. I like the Mets. I I, I don't hate the Mets. I'm a Yankee fan. I don't. I will never wear a, a Mets jersey or a Mets hat. But I'll go to a Mets game. I love City Field. I think it's a beautiful stadium. I think it's even as a Yankee fan. I think it's much nicer than Yankee Stadium. But I, I, again, the Mets fans. They they for some reason they believe that uh, you know every single year, no matter who's the manager or who the owner is, that they're going to win the World Series. This year, I couldn't. Every single Mets oh, we've got Scherzer. Rah, 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 rah. And sure, I said, watch. Scherzer's 40. He's going to be, what, 39 years old? How long is he going to stay healthy? And what did he do? He couldn't stay healthy this year. It, it just seems like the Mets thing, you know? They just they bring in players, and they can never stay healthy. And the same thing for the Yankees. I mean, they need to stop with this power-hitting Bull crap. Find guys that can hit for average, and let's go, man. I, I yeah, want to see Josh Donaldson, Kenny Galladay, and Semyon Varlamov are all smart. Starting a con. Could you of believe stealing raw, stealing money from New York teams? Could you believe Geno Smith is actually a good quarterback? <laughs> I mean, as a Jet fan, I just want to throw up. I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, he goes to Seattle. He's there. He plays behind Russell Wilson for what three, four years. He's the highest paid backup quarterback. Russell Wilson goes on a horrible trade Marcus, to the Broncos. That's right. A horrible. And and Gino Smith becomes a star in Seattle. I, who it couldn't be written better. I I, I really couldn't. I, I I as a Jet fan, I don't like it, but as a fan to watch Russell Wilson be I mean the Broncos trade away their future for Russell Wilson and he's a complete failure. That just makes me laugh. Alex, as a Giants fan, I'm sure you can appreciate this too. Nathaniel Hackett's about to uh, go down the loins of uh, ex-Packers coordinators that were terrible as head coaches somewhere else with Ben McAdoo and Joe Philbin. Ooh, you know, when um, to, I believe it was against the Panthers, that felt like a, a nice little revenge game against uh, against Benny Boy. You know, what, what happened with him, what I hold him most accountable for is how he handled Eli Manning and breaking that streak. That was oh just... Oh my God, I just... Reprehensible. Um, That's the only word for it. And, you know, Eli Manning is not an emotional guy. When you get him choked up, literally crying in front of reporters, you messed up. You messed up. And the funny thing is he did it with Geno Smith. (laughs) And so many people actually give him credit for that. Brett Favre back in the day? I mean, (laughs) there's so many Giants fans that actually like that he did that, too. And it it irks me. I was a believer in Eli Manning. Now, also, I was I was young. I was middle school, high school age, a little bit of college. So perhaps it was some youthful ignorance. But it's kind of my same feeling about Daniel Jones. Maybe it's not the way people want to see, but it's a way that gets things done. You can win. You can win with those guys. And, and by the way, yeah. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. I don't want to hear he it is. from anybody. He's a Hall of Famer. I am a, I'm a Jet fan, and I will tell you, and I've always stuck up for Eli Manning. He is a Hall of Famer. So is Philip Rivers, and so is Ben Roethlisberger. That was a great draft. And by the way, Tony Romo is not a Hall of Famer, but he's, you know, there are years that you could say he, he's Hall of Fame-esque. So great draft for quarterbacks. I'm not saying this to be the bitter Giants fan, but I think Romo, had he had a little bit more in the playoffs, there'd be more discussion around him being in the Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. such is life. 
It was not a catch. He'll be in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster because he's the one that's bringing broadcasting to a whole nother level. Hey. Ask Tom Brady. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you can think of it this way, Alex. Uh, Tony Robo revolutionized the game. Quarterbacks stop holding uh, field goal kicks after his uh, botch of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> now the punters do it. <laughs> we'll add that to uh, the archives at the end. There you yep. go. Alex, thank you, man. We really appreciate you. Guys, take care. Have a great night. Thanks for having me on. We were just talking to New York Post featured reporter Alex Mitchell. Fantastic. We've had a great show of great reporters, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, Max Goodman and Alex Mitchell, both of them know each other. Yeah, that was a great coincidence. Yeah, they both know each other. And and you know what's so funny about Max is you see he has that, like, very serious. But that guy, his wordplay is, like, fantastic. And then Alex, he's... He's more like, you know, the guy that you'd sit next to and, like, shoot the you-know-what with. You know what I mean? Have fun, talk, talk sports, and just chill out, you know? Find, find him at uh, all different restaurants. <laughs> with all, right. the, all, the foods, all, all the food he's uh, testing out and uh, yeah. experimenting with. By the way, if you need recommendations for <laughs> cheesesteaks with the World Series coming up, Let's I got it. you on that. Oh, there we go. Cheesesteaks, my, my wheelhouse. I'm rooting for the Philadelphia I think Phillies. all Yankee fans are rooting for the Phillies. I, I just <laughs> America is rooting for the Phillies. I, I, I really want to see the Phillies win. I want to see Bryce Harper win, okay, after what happened with the national situation. I just want to see the kid win. I, 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 he has taken so much crap from people that he is not a winning player. I just want to see him win. It, it would really shut every – and I would love to see the Astros just – just look completely restless that they thought they were the best team in baseball going into the playoffs and get knocked out by the lonely Philadelphia Phillies, which, by the way, I picked to go to the World Series. So, everybody, for everybody to say that I don't know what I'm doing and talking about, Speedy could vouch for me. My surprise team going into the playoffs was the Philadelphia Phillies. So, there you go. And I was right. And I am predicting they beat the Astros in six. Four games to two. They take an early lead and they shut down the big mouth Astros. Oh yeah. And my friend Thompson over there on the bench is going to be riding off to the sunset because Joe Girardi you blow. Okay. I, I couldn't stand the Yankee fans. I could not stand the Yankee fans when the Yankees let go of Joe Girardi because Joe Girardi, I I love the guy. I think he's a great person, great personality, great everything. He was such an overrated manager. He was always overrated. I always thought that he was. And I understand. And I trust that Brian Cashman knows what he's doing. If he thought that he he weighed out his options with Joe Girardi, then he weighed out his option. Look where Joe went. Joe went to Philadelphia and failed. And I, I, I didn't wish that upon him. But because of what he did in Philadelphia and what Philadelphia is doing right now, he's never going to get a management job again. I'm telling you right now, he will never manage in the MLB ever again. He might be a a first base coach or something like that or an assistant management coach on the bench. I think he'll be an analyst. That's where I think think he will be. He'll he'll work for MLB.com or something like that. That's where I think he will be. I, I just... After this, I, and watching what Philadelphia is doing right now, it's just it's unbelievable. And 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 next Yankee, Thompson leading the way. So it's fun. I I, I want to see I want to see Bryce Harper do it. I, I like this team. I think they have a good personality. I think they have everything. Everything about them reminds me of the '96 Yankees. Does it does it seem a little weird? 
Remember the 96 Yankees? Speedy, you remember? Oh, that? I think it was right Alex. Don't get to you. No, I'm, I'm one year old. I, I was one year old. I don't, I don't remember oh, all the backstory. Alex, you remember the 96 Yankees? I was one, but I have seen many, many highlights. I was, I, I was not one. I'm, I'm 40 years old, so I experienced the 96 Yankees. And the, after 95 and uh, what happened in 95 and Don Mattingly retiring, I, I thought 96 that, you know, the Yankees started off really, really slow. And then at the end of the season, they picked up. And they picked up really, you know, and Joe Torre, this was his first year as the manager after Buck Showalter was fired uh, by uh, the boss. And everybody was like, oh, why did you do that? Da, 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 and all that other stuff. And they brought in Joe Torre, and it took a while to get this team playing right. And then all of a sudden, it was, uh, I think, five or six weeks at the end of the season where the Yankees picked up just their game. And they barely lost. They went into the playoffs, and they just... I don't know. They just every single series, it just seemed like they they weren't going to win, and they pulled it off. This is the same thing. I think this reminds me of the Yankees in '96. Something tells me. And who did they beat in '96, Petey? In '96, huh? they beat the. Let's see if I can remember this. You want me to? Hold on. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Come on, Speedy. It was Padres '98. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Braves. The Atlanta Braves. Yeah, the Braves were twice. Yeah. Tom Glavin, John Smoltz. And our friend, Speedy. And Greg Maddox. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought that that series, and by the way, the Yankees were down 2-0 against that Atlanta Braves team. So I, so thinking about it, I probably would have rooted for the Yankees that year. Mm-hmm. I probably would have, because I, I rooted for them in 9 against the Phillies, which I couldn't stand. As a Mets fan. They that were down Phillies 2-0, and it, they were down 2-0, and everybody thought they were done. And I never... and. I'll never forget. And they had Danny Nagel, I think, on their team, too, who, who was a pretty good pitcher. Um, and I remember after they went back to Yankee Stadium, boy, oh, boy, it, that everything changed after Yankee Stadium and going through, through that part of that series. I, it was unbelievable. And I, I think that this Philadelphia team reminds me of the 96 Yankees. I predict the Yankees. I predict Philadelphia to win in six. And I, that's just my opinion. If I'm right... I just remember, if I were, I'm right, Speedy, you're going to take me out to dinner. How's that sound? All right. All right. Nice, beautiful dinner. Okay. Nice steak dinner. Well, well you, you got to take me and Alex out. How's that? Oh. Cheesesteak dinner. Cheese yeah, Alex, Alex picks the restaurant. We'll, he's a Long Island native. <laughs> yeah. We'll meet up Alex with Alex. The restaurant. And Alex will pick the restaurant, and Speedy will take us out to dinner. All How's right. that? I'm that seems there. like a deal, That's right? Fine. I'll never say no to free food. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, oh, we know you won't, Alex. All the restaurants you cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. You know, I have to say, though, if, if Houston blows it in the World Series, going back to the Braves in the 90s, there is a silver lining that they are – Getting a reputation as choke artists—that mm, is, that that's a good analogy. Yankees every yeah. single year. Yeah, you got that, That's the only part that needs to hopefully change on that. But listen, if Houston's known as the team that can't finish the job time after time, it's an easier pill to swallow, mm. especially for a Yankee fan. That's for sure. Anyways, Alex, you're awesome. Uh, we will see you soon, and we'll see you for a dinner because I believe it will happen. Philadelphia knocks off four games to two, and uh, you could post it up. I'll tell you what. If if that happens, I want you to write a story, and you can say the sports loudmouths, Errol Marks, predicted this, and now we're going to a nice dinner encouraged by Speedy P. How's that sound? My editors will love that. I'm, what can I say? I'm. It's a gift from God, you know. I'm. Just, 
Thank you, Alex. Uh, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will have in just a few moments our friend, Speedy. Derek Mountain, the mountain of knowledge. The Mountain Express, baby. He'll be joining us as he beat us last week for the first time in a very long time. But not this week. It is my week, as always, as I will win another week when we come back here on the Sports Loud Mouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. Ooh, I like this. Speedy, you're picking some good music. <laughs> DJ Speedy, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. 631! I sound like a pregnant woman. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS. WWSRN or Speedy Petey would say on Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What a show tonight, man. We had Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, Jets and Yankees reporter Max Goodman. We were also talking to New York Post feature reporter Alex Mitchell. And now the Mountain Express. We finally have him on. He was busy last week. And finally a smile on his face because this, ladies and gentlemen, was his first week where he dominated me in the speedster. He is 10 and 4 this week. We were both split on 8 and 6. But it's a winning winning week for us, but not as good as Mr. Derek. Derek, what's going on, bud? Not too much. How's it going? Well, it's going good for you. I mean, 10 and 4, you finally won a week. I I'm liking it. I was going to say I I was due. I I uh <laughs> It's about time, man. Jeez. <laughs> I love it, man, because I was sitting there and I said, "Speedy, what did, what what was Derek's record?" <laughs> he says he actually won this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I was, it was becoming it, it got to the point where it's like just fade me and you'll go whatever 10 and 4, 11 and 3 something. Like it was so bad. I love it, man. You know, it, it's so hard to make, especially this year, the games are just all over the place. You have no idea. I mean, some people probably picked the Jets this week, and then all of a sudden the Patriots, after losing against Chicago last week and being embarrassed by a Chicago Bears team that it shouldn't even be on the same field, uh, and they'll lose to this week against the the, the Jets will lose against the Patriots this week. I, could, I just have this bad feeling that that's what's going to happen. I hope not. But uh, it's it's crazy. That's that's football this year. It's just mm -hmm. unpredictable. And by the Absolutely. way, we have Derek Mountain on. Uh, his brother is uh, my agent, uh, and this kid knows his stuff just like Speedy. His analytic, he's very savvy on on what he knows when it comes to the NFL and football and college football. Uh, I love bringing him on because I think. When, when I have both these guys on, Speedy and him, they, they both have a different understanding of the way the game works. And I, I think making our choices and our picks, it kind of throws the craziness of me off because you have two quality people that know what they're talking about when it comes to football. So uh, are you ready to make your picks? Let's do it. All right, Speedy, let's go. All right. Uh, D Derek, what did you have tonight? I was just curious. The Ravens-Bucks tonight. Box. I was. I was on the box. I was as well. I had the Ravens. Right. I, I, dude, I, I knew. First of all, I, I like the secondary of the Ravens, even though they haven't played well this year. And 
I like Lamar Jackson. I, I think Lamar Jackson is a lot better than people think they are. He is, and and especially against the Giants. If he didn't make those two mistakes and the Ravens didn't make those mistakes with the last six minutes of the game, the Ravens win that game. And the Ravens wouldn't be four and three. They'd be five and two right now. Going, I think they're bye week after this week, right? I think I'm it's, not sure. I, I think they might be going to a bye week. If not, a, a week from that, a week from then, they'd be going to a bye week. So I had the Ravens. So at least I got one one right. So well, that's good. Well, it's not that's over yet, but it looks that way. Yeah. Oh, but now it looks like it's over. Kenyon Drake uh, running it into the. That's our boy, baby. Yeah. I, I, I interviewed Kenyon Drake. <laughs> it, it's so funny. Kenyon Drake, his his publicist is a you know. I don't want to say it on live radio, but she's a real you know what. But. Uh, He's a fantastic person. We did an event a couple of years ago, our network, uh, with him. He was doing uh, like uh, this for, for children and stuff like that. Uh, he was fantastic. He interviewed, and he was just he was great. I, I really liked the kid. So I'm happy that he's still in the NFL and he's still doing his thing uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. All right, so the first that was game. was terrible, by the oh, way. <laughs> uh, so terrible. the first game is the London game. Uh, so you have terrible, the Denver Broncos and the oh, Jacksonville God, Jaguars. Go ahead, well, the ultimatum is that uh, Nathaniel Hackett will be fired if he loses this game. And I think they will lose this game because Russell Wilson is not playing great either. He's trying to work out on the plane to, to help him. I don't know how much is that's going to help him. But uh, you still have not been able to figure out a running game since Jerry, uh, since Javante Williams went down. You have all these receiving issues. Jacksonville's secondary has actually been a lot more serviceable than people think. Tyson Campbell, nice young player, and some of their other late picks have been playing better. So I'm going to take the Jags here. I think they run the ball even without James Robinson with ETN. And they win it in a very ugly game, 16-12. to 12. Wow. How about uh, you, Derek? Uh, I'm also going with the Jags, and every fiber in my body mm. is telling me not to take the Jags <laughs> again because I bought into them, especially after the first two, three weeks. I really liked what I saw. They're 0-5 in one-score games. I think at some point that's got to regress. I still believe in Doug. I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. I think the defense is really good. I think the amount that they blitz and how well they pressure is going to be an issue for Russell Wilson, for Russell Wilson especially on the bum hamstring that he has that he's going to play with. And as Speedy said, I mean, this team might be dead in the water, the Broncos, if – they lose this game. Maybe Hackett doesn't even come back on the team playing. They keep him <laughs> overseas. But that might be in the in the back of the players' minds on the Broncos. I mean, we're talking about them as a seller before the deadline on Tuesday. Guys like Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy might be on their way out. I mean, I don't know if there was any universe that people envisioned that to happen this season for the Broncos, the way they went all in. So, I don't know. I think this defense has kept them afloat and competitive in games, but at some point, it's just not going to continue. They're not going to continue to play at this high level. Give me the Jags here, 20-13 to 13 in a gross game. I know a lot of people are looking at this game. The Jags could pull away in this game. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. I mean, everything that we've seen, it seems like Etienne is, is, is the real deal, and he's finally proving that this year after Robinson was set. Sitting now, he's playing for the Jets. I like the Broncos in this game. I like the fact that Russell Wilson is playing in a game hurt. Every time Russell Wilson has played hurt in a game, he's put up good numbers with Seattle. Now, I don't know what the Broncos are, and I obviously know that they're not making the playoffs this year, but I think that they still believe that Nathaniel Hackett and they could save Nathaniel Hackett. I think the players will play for him this week. I think they'll be able to run the ball against the Jaguars this week on the outside. 
Uh, give me the Broncos in this game. I think the Broncos will win. It'll be a very close game. Uh, 17-14 Broncos. All right. First of the 1 o'clock games, the Chicago Bears at the Dallas Cowboys. Here's one of my upsets. I'm actually going to take the Bears here. Cowboys likely without Ezekiel Elliott in this game, and Chicago bad against the run. I don't know if Tony Pollard could take on that kind of full workload to be able to take advantage of that kind of thing. And the Bears pass rush their defense has actually been a lot better than people think. I give Everflus a lot of credit for that. And I think Justin Fields showed a lot last week, his play extensions ability. And I think they could take advantage of a base defense with Dallas, too. I think they could decoy away from Parsons, kind of like the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts. So I'm going to take the upset here. I'm going to go the Bears 2017. I don't hate that pick. It, the offense we saw Monday night football reminded me of the 2021 Eagles offense that the Eagles formed around Jalen Hurts after the bye week when they got thumped on Thursday night football against the Bucks last year. It was it was it was not after the bye. It was kind of the mini bye. It was the 10 day rest. Um, and you just saw the shift that the Eagles took around Hurts. And I felt like I saw the same thing with the Bears on Monday night football. 11 design runs for Fields, which was a career high by a mile. He is such a dynamic runner, 235 pounds. He never goes down on first contact. And I think this Dallas front you can bully, but I can't go that far. I can't go to an upset. I think the spread's nine and a half. I like the yep. Bears to cover that spread, but I think the Cowboys win. That defense is too good. I don't see Parsons being limited uh, multiple weeks in a row. I still think that secondary is really, really underrated. They get a pick or two on fields in this game. I'm going to take Dallas in this one. 23-16, cover the spread. 23-16. I got the Cowboys in this game. I I don't think it's even close. Chicago showed up last week against the Patriots, and the Patriots are a different beast. I know it was in New England, and everybody thought New England was going to put up a, a pretty good fight. They don't even know who their quarterback's going to be, okay? They got a backup quarterback that looks like he's a sixth or seventh, you know, round draft pick. And then they have Mac Jones, who looks like he's lost uh, the will to play football for some reason. Maybe because of the weight he lost. I don't know. He's not the same quarterback he was last year. And I think they're losing... I think they're losing respect and they're losing time with him. And I think eventually he's going to lose his starting job. But I, I like the Cowboys in this game. I think their defense is the real deal. Justin Fields played well last week. He ran the ball very against a very good defense. Uh, not as good as this defense. I think this defense is going to get at him. I think they're going to put him on his ass a couple of times. And he's going to get a little scared and he's going to move outside and inside the pocket. And he's, he's not going to want to run. He's going to want to throw the ball and he's going to make mistakes. Diggs will get an interception in this game. Maybe close to a pick six. Give me the Cowboys in this game. 24-17. All right. The Las Vegas Raiders at the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Uh, I'll take the Saints here. I think this is a struggle for their defense, a game for their defense to get back going. The Raiders' offensive line has been overperforming, but I don't know if it lasts for that long. And the Saints, even though they've been a little downstop in the run, I think they contain Jacobs from where he was last week. Devontae Adams, Marshawn Lattimore, I think they'll be able to contain enough. And their offense against that pathetic secondary for the Raiders, I think they'll be able to do a lot. I think Andy Dalton and that receiving core is a nice game. So I'll take the Saints in this one. I'm going to say 30-20. I'm going the other way. I'm going with the Raiders. Uh, I just think they're the better team here. I think the Saints' defense is on a steep decline from what we saw last year. I think this offense under Andy Dalton is very erratic, to say the least. We saw it last Thursday night when two pick sixes completely changed the trajectory of the game. Does it look a little bit better at points than with Jameis Winston? I guess, but... No Michael Thomas again. Jarvis Landry did not practice this week. I I just don't see it. And on the other side, I think they're going to have a really tough time stopping the Raiders. I mean, 
You have 10 players who've seen 100-plus rush attempts this season. Josh Jacobs is first in first downs per rush at 32% of his carries. I mean, that's incredible. He has looked unbelievable in a contract year this year. If they decide to load up the box, I mean, Devontae Adams is going to be in the lineup. Hunter Renfro's back. Darren Waller should play. I just don't see how it adds up, and it ends well for the Saints defense here. I got the Raiders in a little bit of a blowout here. I'm going to go Raiders 34-21. to 21. Wow, I would agree with you. I think the Raiders are going to come out strong in, in Louisiana over there against the Saints. I don't know what the Saints are defensively, and we know what they are offensively. Andy Dalton's a washed-up quarterback. This, this team, Kamara might have a decent game against his defense. I don't know about their wide receivers. I don't know who their wide receivers are. Michael Thomas, he can't stay on the field. Uh, Olivia, what was his name? Alave. Alave, he, he looked decent certain last week, certain you know quarters, and then he completely in the fourth quarter disappeared. I, I, I don't know what the Saints' offense is. What I do know is Derek Carr is going to be able to get the ball to Devontae Adams. I believe that. Darren Waller coming back. He's healthy. I, I expect Renfro to actually show up this week and, 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 and beat them, you know, in the slot and do a lot of different things. I expect Josh, Josh McDaniels to have a game plan against this same team. I think it's a blowout, too. Um, I think it's like 36 to like 14 or something like that. I, I think the, the Raiders are going to go in uh, in Saintville, Louisiana, and shut down Andy Daltuan. That's what. All right, before we pick our next game, we have Mark. Coming in now. Marks, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Sorry I'm a little late. How you been? I like the purple lighting in there. <laughs> There's <laughs> TV. Yeah. Oh, it looks like some kind of like Halloween thing. So just wait a little while. We're going through the games, Mark, and then we'll get with you. All right. Uh, our next game is the Battle of oh. Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh Steelers oh. at the Philadelphia Eagles. No, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Derek's. Philadelphia. That's right. That's right. Don't worry, Derek. They will stay undefeated. I'm going to take the Eagles. Now, I will say this. I think it'll be a little closer than expected. I would. I would actually bet on the Steelers to cover. I think. It, I think this. Their defense has actually been impressive the last couple of weeks, and I think. They actually have an outside rushing defense that I think will be able to match up a little better against the Eagles. You saw, you saw last week. Uh, you saw some teams last week be able to do that uh, kind of thing to the Steelers. And offensively, they're not going to be able to run the ball because the Eagles have a tough run defense now. Good trade for Robert Quinn, but I do think they keep it close in this game. And their secondaries play better too. So I'm going to say 23 to 13, Eagles. I'm also going with the Eagles here. I like what I've seen from Pickett at points. Like I think. He brings a certain attitude to that offense. I think he's more willing to throw down the field, and he's more willing to throw outside the numbers than Mitch Trubisky. He doesn't have that much help right now between the offensive line and the bland play calling. I I think Matt Canada is really hurting them a lot more than people might be letting on. Um, I still like the receivers, but it's just not a creative game plan, I think. Eagles defense has has taken a step forward here, but when they play a below-average offense, I think they really expose those kinds of teams, and they can really get out ahead, get ahead, especially with the ground game. I think with a dual-threat quarterback like Jalen Hurst, it just makes it so much harder for a defense. So I think the Eagles run away with this one. I'm going to go 30-13 to 13 off the bye week. I think the Eagles, the Eagles are going to be able to run against the Steelers. The Steelers have had problems stopping the run this year. I think the Eagles will be able to run. I think they expect them to throw the ball with A.J. Brown and obviously Smith. 
I, I think that this team could absolutely run against this Pittsburgh Steelers team. They did look good the last couple of weeks defensively. I think the, the Steelers are not even in the same realm as the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is, is an MVP candidate. I think he's going to produce it again this week and show why he is an MVP candidate. I expect the Eagles to not just win, I think win by double digits. Uh, Eagles win 20 to 10. Uh, Mark, you have a pick for this game, or? Well, I like what Earl said about Jalen Hurts. I think that you know he's really shown uh, how good he can be. I think he's diverse. I think he does a lot of things really well. And I, I think you saw what you what you saw when he was at Oklahoma and how he's kind of developed. He's continuing to develop in the NFL. It's not often where you get guys that you know learn a little later in college and then continue. To learn in the NFL. It's almost like they need a little break, and then maybe later on in their career they might get to the point where they're a starter. But Jalen Hurts seems to be getting better every year. I, I didn't expect him to be this good um, when he was drafted. I thought he would be a, an okay sort of kind of a service school player. But um, I'm surprised as anybody how well the Eagles are playing. And, I mean, they're undefeated, and I don't really like anybody else in that division. Uh, you know, the Giants at 6-1. and one, you know, they only have a point differential of plus 20. So how you're always kind of waiting for that other shooter job. You know, I, I, I like that they've won close games, and that's going to benefit them at some point. Uh, the Eagles really seem to be not just winning, but winning decisively. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, Interesting. I, 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 I'm going to take them to win. All right. Next game is the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, oh, how fun this game will be. I'm going to take the Falcons here. Again, oh, I, I, I continue to be impressed with their defense. They had a bad first quarter against the Bengals. Besides that, the rest of the game, they actually played well. I think they were able to uh, not limit Jamar Chase, but made it make it tougher on him. Now Jamar Chase is hurt. He'll be out four to six weeks as well. Uh, that was just reported today with a hip injury. But I, I actually was impressed with that. They continued to do well stopping the run. And You I know that's an ex- excuse with the whole Jamar Chase thing, right? Because he hasn't played well this year. I, 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 I'm telling you, it's, it's such an excuse. I, I, Jamar Chase is such a baby. Go ahead. But, but offensively, I think their creativity has still been very good. I know people are criticizing uh, Arthur Smith for not using Kyle Pitts a lot and Drake London re- in a couple of weeks. But I think they've also played against some other tougher secondaries in that case. I think he's had good game plans amidst all that, and he's gotten some other guys involved. So there's some good things with it. And I'm not saying they're a potent offense, but it's good enough to win this game. I'm going to say 23-14 to 14 Atlanta. I'm going the other way. I'm going to go with Carolina. Mm. I liked what I saw last week. I like P.J. Walker. I liked what I saw from him last week. 18% of his attempts were, were 20 air yards or further last week. I mean, it was complete polar opposite from the Rams game. And I think the most obvious, the common den- or not common denominator, the reason that they were able to – he was able to deliver the ball down the field last week was the pass rush. And the uh, – and the Panthers' ability to kind of hold up up front. And I think it's going to be the same here. Atlanta doesn't have anyone up front that kind of in, inflicts any any fear into your unit. I think they're 26 in sack rate in the NFL. Um, they don't really like to bring that much heat this year, especially. And uh, they might this week. A.J. Terrell has not practiced this week, I believe. I think Casey Hayward might be out as well. So yeah, he's, maybe on that's good. he's on the IR. Yeah. So. Maybe Dean Pease decides to bring some heat with P.J. Walker, but I think they have mismatches and they have advantages on the perimeter with D.J. Moore. Um, so 
I'm going to take the Panthers here in a, in a slight upset here. I'm going to go 20-17 to 17 in a gross game here. I, I tell you, watching Tom Brady and his faces right now, he is not the same Tom Brady, man. He is not. He's I, I feel so bad for him. I, it's crazy to say that as a, as a Jet fan, to feel bad for Tom Brady. But he lost his family. He decided to come back to football to play with this garbage. What a joke. I feel bad for him. Anyways. Falcons for the division. <laughs> um, I'll tell you this. The Falcons are going to win this game. The, the thing is, is you, you, you were saying this, Derek. You were talking about Walker. Who would have thought that you'd be talking about P.J. Walker? You, you, Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald on the team. Both these guys were drafted in the same year, one and three. Both of them were sitting on the bench for P.J. Walker. That's hilarious. But uh, Last week was the best yeah. game a quarterback has played for Carolina in two years. <laughs> That's crazy. It's really – It's it, unbelievable. It's, it is unbelievable. It just tells you how bad those two guys are. Uh, thank you to the Jets, by the way, for drafting Sam Donald. Um <laughs> Falcons is going. They're, they're going to win this game. I think the Falcons could run the ball. I think um, Carolina, even though their defense has played well, especially against the run uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, I think the Falcons are going to be able to run the ball and they're going to be able to throw the ball. Uh, they have London, and I think Kyle Pitts finally this week will get on track and have one of those games. I they've had problems stopping tight ends, the Panthers, all season long. I don't see them stopping Kyle Pitts. I think he has a fantastic game. Two touchdowns, hundred yards. Give me the Falcons. Ooh. 27 10. That'll be more than his season total. <laughs> That's right. I know. He's killing me. He's killing me in fantasy, man. I picked this guy like number three or number four for me. And I, everybody thought this kid was going to be the best tight end in football. And he has had a horrendous. Thank you, Marcus Mariota, for screwing me up in fantasy. That's all I got to say. All right. Next game. Uh, oh, sorry, Mark. Did you have a pick for this game? Uh, I actually like, like the Falcons. I, I, I agree with you, Errol. I watched some of that, that Panthers game just because I wanted to see what was up for Brady. I haven't really watched them much this year. And, he, I mean, his numbers are good, but there's just something that's not there. And uh, you, you see a guy who's, who's losing games like this, you know, at, 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 at this stage in his, in his career when he really didn't have to come back. I, I agree with you. A lot of it. Kind of makes me feel sad for him. And, you know, being a Jeff fan, I have the same kind of feelings toward him that you do. Um, he's broken my heart so many times. Uh, but Don't even get me started with breaking hearts. I mean, I, 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 I just don't. Up. I, that, that's a very bad division. And I think the Falcons probably this year can win it because Tampa just isn't playing well. And I don't know if they're going to get that back. I, I don't know if they're going to be able did you just to, hear uh, that? Did everybody, did, did you just hear that from Mark? Everybody, everybody thinks that the Falcons, yes, the Atlanta Falcons could win that division. Who would have thought that? The Falcons. They're turning well, into, Derek, you might be able to relate to this. They're turning into kind of like the Eagles of last year. Like nobody thought they would be good. And all of a sudden they're like pesky. And we'll see if they have the big second half of the Eagles to get into the playoffs. Arthur Smith is a really still. good coach. Arthur, Smith, really good coach. Arthur Smith's a good coach. Game. I don't think he's better than your coach, but I, I think he's been pretty good so far, uh, considering all the expectations are lack well, off. I don't know what I happened. I do wish they'd go to Ritter. I do wish they'd go to Ritter. I'm a little sick of Mariota. When I saw what's his name again to get hired by Philadelphia, I crazy. I call him sec. I called him yes, crazy eyes too. Lazy thing because they looked at Adam I called him instead of crazy eyes. I called him lazy eyes when he went up there. I had no idea that this guy actually knows the game as well as he does. Philadelphia. They, they have hit it right. And look, if the Saints 
are top five worst team in the NFL. They're going to have a top five pick, and they're going to have the best record in football. How crazy is that? I mean, seriously, they have two first-round draft picks. They have a chance to get Anderson from Alabama. I mean, could you imagine what that defense will be if they get Anderson? Oh, my God. That is a scary, scary yes, football please. team. Yes, mm-hmm. it's crazy. All right, next game, the Miami Dolphins at the Detroit Lions. Uh, this is the one that I think will be a blowout. I think this is, Miami just matched up too well with the way this Lions offense or the Lions defense has just been really bad this year. Their only real real strength has been up the middle so far with the interior, but Miami most of it is outside zone stuff. I think those receivers are just too fast. I think they're going to eat up yards. I think Tua has another big day. I know they're waiting for it to come back amidst all the concussion, but I think this is the game it'll come. I'm going to say 38 to 20, Miami. I, I want to go with. Detroit here I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a rah-rah spot you know they're one in five everyone's kind of kicking Dan Campbell while he's down is he the guy um Sheila Ford whatever the owner had to have a press conference and kind of reassert her confidence in him and, and and say yes we believe in Dan Campbell we believe in Brad Holmes the vision here and with Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift, I think they'll make this game competitive. Their offense is so much better with both of those guys in the lineup. I mean, without those guys in there in the last couple of weeks, Jared Goff has regressed back to what Jared Goff is. <laughs> Having said that, they can't stop Miami. There, there's no way they're going to be able to stop Miami. Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Tua, his second game back from the concussion. He was a little bit rusty last week. Uh, Pittsburgh dropped a few interceptions, probably – Coulda, shoulda, woulda won that game. I think two is going to be a lot sharper in this spot. The Detroit pass rush is pretty non-existent. Hutchinson's coming off one of his better games, but I'm not expecting much here uh, from Hutchinson in this spot. He struggled for most of his rookie campaign. I expect the same thing here. I think uh, Miami has their way on offense. I think it's a high-scoring, fun game, but I think uh, Miami takes it here. I'm going to say 31-24. to I feel so. Tom Brady's face walking onto the field – Losing another game, it just—it doesn't look right. It's so funny. I—I'm sure it's bringing you and Mark both joy. It, 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 uh, to me, as a Jet fan, I always watch the Jets quarterbacks walk on the field after the game against Tom Brady, and it made me sick to my stomach. Now I'm just like, I—I I have to put a spot. It, watching the Patriots lose against the Jets this week, and and maybe the Jets sweeping the Patriots series. That would put not even a smile on my face. It'll have me dancing in this studio, okay? I'll be dancing, <laughs> handstands, handstands. I'll do something. I'll strip and run down the freaking street if the Jets sweep the Patriots. And, yes, everybody, you can come and look at me, but just remember you might have to close your eyes. Anyways, um, where are we at? Oh, yes, the, Miami, <laughs> the Dolphins. Detroit. I almost lost my whole concentration on that one. Yeah. Um, Dolphins-Lions. I'm I, I don't think it's even close. I, I do believe, I want to believe that the Lions are going to come out strong and maybe this defense could show up and maybe Jared Goff, who I've been sticking up for, actually shows up to a game. But I think he's, you know, I think the football so far up his keister. I don't know what the heck is going on. Um, I got the Dolphins in this game. Tua's going to be able to throw the ball and run the ball. This Lion defense is not going to be able to stop him. And by the way, Tyreek Hill has two touchdowns, 140 yards. Kiss my ass. Let's go. Dolphins win 30-17. All right, Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I, look, I, I'm just going to say, just to be different, that the Lions will win, but I, I, I really don't think that they, they have much of a shot. The thing that kind of confuses me is you saw that played earlier in the year. Yeah, I know they've had injuries, 
But to be shut up by New England, they only scored six points against Dallas. Uh, the way they started offensively, I thought that they could be, you know, not a contender, but showing hope to be clearly better and that they made the reason why they made the, the trade they did was working out for them. Uh, he kind of fit their offense a little better, and he's, and he's younger. But it just seems like they're the Lions, and no matter what, I mean, we're talking about a franchise that has been around since 1925, 1930, and has never had consecutive seasons of 10 or more wins, and that is really hard to believe. Something always seems to go wrong down there. Uh, and as much as I, I like the way they looked early on, I don't know if they can really say – that this is a year where they're going to improve to where you have something to build on after the year, after the season ends. What I don't like about Miami is that obviously you look at the numbers when two plays uh, offensively. I mean, wide receivers get the ball and they've been near the top of the league as far as receiving yards. I, I he's just too fragile. He's too fragile, and until he can consistently play. Um, I'm always going to trust that something's going to happen where the Dolphins have to react. And I don't like that uh, in any for any team. So I don't know how much longer really Miami can continue to go with him, thinking that he's going to be their future when he continues to get hurt. Mm-hmm. All right, next game, the Arizona Cardinals at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I'm going to take the Vikings. I think it'll be close, though. I think Arizona's passing attack definitely proved a lot last week against the Saints, where DeAndre Hopkins comes back, making, makes an instant impact not only for himself but on everyone else. The one thing that concerns me that I don't think they'll be able to do what they did against the Saints against the Vikings is run the ball like they did. Eno Benjamin had a great game replacing James Conner. The Vikings have been a lot better stopping the run, so I, I don't think that'll be complete. And I think the red zone offense has really still been an issue for Arizona, where I think the Vikings will be getting touchdowns and the Cardinals will be getting field goals. Also, Arizona struggling to stop the run too. So I'm going to take the Vikings 31-23. I think there's a sneaky fun game. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. There we go. There we go. Cliff's track record on the road is a lot better than at home. Uh, They have the kind of mini buy going into this one. I know the Vikings are coming off a bye week, but I think it kind of is a little bit of a wash from a coaching perspective and a game planning perspective. And I'm just going to go with Kyler here. I think Kyler in this spot is better than Kirk Cousins. I think if they can keep it close in the first half, I'm a little bit worried that Cliff as a scripted play caller is not nearly on the same planet as a Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. But what we've seen from Minnesota, I mean, one, I, I think we all agree they're a little bit fraudulent at five and one. Nobody is buying that record at all. They seem to kind of, their their leads are deteriorating every single week, but they seem to kind of skate by with a lot of wins, which is there's something to be said about that. But I think going up against a guy like the caliber of Kyler with Nuke back, he looked great on Thursday night with ten catches. He's being thrown in the slot. Kingsbury's kind of using him all over the field in that game. And the Minnesota secondary is a mess. I mean, between Peterson, Cam Dantzler back there, they're not going to have an answer for Nuke. I think Cardinals win this one in a high-scoring affair. I'm going to go 28-27 Cardinals. I want to go with the Cardinals in this game, and I, I agree with you. Hopkins looked really good last week. He really did. But uh, it's in Minnesota, and I think the advantage goes to Minnesota because of that. I. I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan, as everybody would know, but I do stick up for him because I think he's a lot better than Tyler says he is. (laughs) That's Um, not saying much. But uh, Jefferson, 
uh, is still one of the best and more explosive wide receivers in the league. I think he'll be able to catch the ball against this secondary against the Cardinals. I don't know what this Cardinals secondary is. There are games that they show up and they look good, and there are games that you wonder, you know, where all these first-round draft picks have turned into. So I don't know what uh, – what's his name again? Javen Collins. Javen Collins is an absolute bust. Uh Thank you, Jeff, for actually telling me that I was right about that, by the way. Um, I have the Vikings in this game. I think it'll be close. I think you're right, Derek. I think it'll come down to the wire. But I have the Vikings uh, at home, 24-21. Yeah, I would take the Cardinals. Mm, look at that. Mm. Look at All that. Right. He agrees. Nice split. Where with Derek. There you go. I like that. All right. On to Mark and Errol's New York Jets oh, taking on wonderful. the New England Patriots. Oh, wonderful. You know what I want to do with this game is I want to so badly pick a tie because I think it's going to be really ugly in this game. Between the Jets trying to find their offensive line ways, the Patriots trying to find their quarterback ways, uh, I, this is going to be a very sloppy game. I just think the Jets are just due to lose at some point. I can't see them saying this hot forever. I think this is a situation where they're trying to adjust. They'll play well defensively, hang in this game, and they'll, they'll just reset after the bye week. They'll play the Bills, hang tough with them, and then reset after the bye week. I think the Patriots, this is like kind of like you were saying a couple weeks ago with the Bengals. I think this is just like a season-on-the-line type game for the Patriots, and I think they'll get it done. I think this game goes to overtime. Patriots squeak it out 16-13. I finally got a Jets game right last week. I got them with the win over the Broncos. Not saying much with ripping in there, but uh, I finally got one right. But I'm with Speedy here. I think the Patriots kind of handily win this one. I think their backs are against the wall. Belichick and his defense got embarrassed on Monday Night Football, national TV, prime time against a bottom five offense in the NFL. That's not the Belichick way. I think in division, he generally has handled in division in his career and i still don't trust zach wilson at all i think there's a reason that they put the onus on Brees hall when he was healthy and for him to pretty much carry the load for the offense without him there without elijah Vera tucker there i mean you are losing so much for that offense that i think was kind of hanging on by a thread you were really just relying on Brees hall to do everything back there so I think New England is a get-right game, especially for that defense. I, I think the Jets are going to have a really tough time scoring in this one. I'm going to go Patriots 20 to 10. I'm wow. five and one. I am five and one picking the Jets this year, and I'm not moving far away from it, baby. Not only are they going to go into MetLife Stadium and show the Patriot who the the second beast of the East is, we'll find out next week. They're going to go into MetLife Stadium and they're going to shut down. An offense that is abysmal. They have no offense. They're not going to be able to run against this defense. They're not uh, the way the Jets have played. Uh, I think this Jeff, this defense is going to make them become one-dimensional and make them throw the ball through the air. And who are they going to throw it to when you have Gardner out there and DJ Reed? Good luck on that. I think Zach Wilson will throw the ball more this game. I believe they're going to be able to run with James Robinson and Michael Carter. I think they're going to be able to explode on the outside. And Elijah Moore will have a game. I expect him to get the ball to him a lot more than we've seen this year. Uh, and, and Garrett Wilson will have a touchdown in this game. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think the Jets will completely demolish them in this game. Give me the Jets 24-10. to 10. All right, What do you got, Mark? Here's one thing that scares me. I heard a stat about, about Wilson that when he's pressured, Okay, it's a completion percentage, something like 
like nine, ten percent, and the Patriots are going to find ways to pressure him. Uh, when he sits back there, when he has time, he's done. He's done all right, but that hasn't happened much this year. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of on the other side. I, uh, I don't really know know what to think of him yet. Now he, he impressed me with the fourth quarter he had against the Steelers. That to me kind of sticks out in my mind that he led them on two big drives, including the uh, game-winning drive. And I think that's a maturity that's special. Once you're able to do that consistently, I think you got something. Uh, I think in order for the Jets to win, their defense is really going to have to score. And they're going to have to force New England into a turnover. Everything usually goes to where, as a Jet fan, you're so built up for something. And this is a moment that, look, when they beat the Dolphins a couple weeks ago, that was something that had to happen. The Dolphins kind of have had that number. This is their second chance. Now, everybody really knows that. Until the Jets beat Belichick, even if he's dead, you know, you cannot celebrate until you actually do it. And if they can do it this week, they'll show their fans something. But usually how it goes is they get such a buildup, and then there's a little bit of a light. I want to see Zach Wilson launch that. that I want to see this game decisively, like you say, Errol. That'll prove a lot. I want to see them launch that football up Bill Belichick's ass, right. okay? Right so up I, his keister, man. I want to see him when he walks off the field with his sopping face. I want to see Zach Wilson drive that ball so far up his ass so he can walk bow-legged off the field. I want to see their defense, I want to see their defense punish, punish their offense. I want to see them do what they did to, to the Jets for all those years with the butt fumble and stuff like that. I want to see them embarrassed, get embarrassed. The, their defense is good enough to do it. Um, I, I don't really, their offensive line, they need to figure out something else before the season ends because Wilson just doesn't have enough time to pass. Um, I think they'll be able to run the ball, uh, but I don't, I don't like them to consistently score against the Patriots. Their defense is going to have to do something in order for them to win this game. But Mark, that, they're, they're avenged of the butt fumble now because the Dolphins did the butt punt. So now that's Oh, I know, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the first time I literally saw someone try to kick the ball up another person's ass. I mean, I never saw that before in my life. <laughs> and, since, and since then, they held on to win that game, but since then, they're 1-3. and three, So, Yeah. The curse but, of the butt punts. Oh, I loved yeah. when the Eagles beat the Patriots. Oh, it was so <laughs> fun. I loved it. Yes, I'm sure I Derek had a nice smile on my face with Eric Martini. <laughs> uh, Eric Martini over there. I watch all the football games in the Super Bowl, mostly with him. And he loves Tom Brady, and I loved it. When Nick Foles in the fourth quarter outplayed the great pain in the ass of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Loved it. All right, next game, the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. Uh, I'll take the Titans. I actually think it'll be closer than expected, though. They actually played very close. With, Houston played very close with them last year. I think Derrick Henry is just in his groove now, though. I think he keeps that rolling. I think they'll hold in the field goals to keep it close. But I'll take the Titans 26-17. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Speedy. I think... Uh... This is a Derrick Henry spot. He kind of looks like the Derrick Henry of old. I think he got off to a slow start in the first couple weeks of the season, but they're starting to find their groove. I think they're really going to have to lean on him here. Brian Tannehill's in a walking boot. He got hurt in last week's game. He is questionable going into this one. I think you're either going to get a 70 75% Tannehill or you're going to get Malik Willis, the rookie quarterback, who came into the game last week and got a fumble on a jet sweep. Not his fault. That was a horrible play call. But that's a tough spot to put a, a young rookie in, especially in division game, crucial for the AFC South race. But 
I still think Derrick Henry and the Tennessee defense is going to be enough to kind of skate by a, a sneaky, pesky Houston team. I mean, they've shown signs of life this year. They have a plus 10 point differential in the first three quarters. The problem is they have a league worst minus 41 point differential in the fourth quarter. It seems to just crumble away from them at the end. Davis Mills isn't quite good enough. Um, so I'm going to go Tennessee in a tight one, 17-14. Oh, I think Tennessee is going to run all over the Texans. I, I, I like what I see. Some of the young players that the Texans have, they're, they're, they've been impressive. Even though they're one four and one, there were certain, but they're they're looking to rebuild. I think Cooks will be gone before uh, the trade deadline. But uh, I like the Tennessee Titans. I love Derrick Henry. He's on my fantasy team. I expect him to trample all over the Texans. And uh, Tannehill, thank God he's gone. I, I I can't stand his ugly face. I I want to see Willis on the field. I want to see. You know, acrobatic football plays, and maybe uh, you know he shows off, and then we don't see Tannehill ever again in a Tennessee Titans jersey. Um, I got Tennessee in this game. I think it'll be close, but I I, I do believe Derrick Henry will have a big game. Twenty one fourteen. Mark, you got you got to pick. Uh, I like Tennessee too. I think they found like the thing that really screwed them up early on. If you even the game against the Giants. Uh, Henry didn't get the ball enough, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, when he gets like 22 more carries, their record is like they've won 90% of their games. They're starting to figure out now, We this is our racehorse. This is what we're going to win with. Uh, and I, like the te- Texans in that divisional game, so you never know what's going to happen in that game. But, you know, I, I, I think that obviously Tennessee's figured out if we you don't run that Derrick Henry now, now in Houston, when he's in his prime, he's our best player, and we're not going to win. So their play calling early on bothered me, but I think they're doing a better job now at consistently getting the ball, especially when the game's on the line, uh, and that's when he needs it. So I, I like them to win this game, and really, if they don't win this division, there's something wrong yeah. because they are clearly the best team when, when he gets the ball. All right, next game, I expect it to be an ugly one. The Washington Commanders at the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, this will be an ugly one. I'm going to take the Commanders, though, in this one. I, I, they impressed me last week stopping the run against the Packers, and Jonathan Taylor is still going to be a very big focal point in that offense. I think Pittman plays well, but I do think Ron Rivera will be able to game plan enough where he doesn't have those massive, massive games, and can they trust somebody else to take over with a new quarterback at Sam Ellinger will be a question. Taylor Heineke will have his share of turnovers, too. This will be a sloppy game. I'm going to pick a Kenny score for this one. Nice. 18 to 13 commanders. I want to go with the Colts here, but I'm going with the commanders here as well. I think in ways, Ailinger, uh, Sam Ailinger can kind of help this offense. I mean, he can escape pressure. He's athletic. He's dynamic in the run game. I think he can kind of raise the floor for Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan's been horrible against pressure, but just the ceiling in passing offense between Matt Ryan and Sam Ehlinger, I mean, it's night and day. I, I think they're really going to struggle in the passing game. And the one thing that Washington does well is they stop the run. I mean, their front four is really dynamic. It's really, really good. Um, so I just don't think it's a good matchup for Ehlinger's first career start in this one. Um, I love the kid. I, I'm always going to root for a six-rounder. But I, I think their season's kind of toast. I think that uh, Frank Reich, his days are numbered there. I think Chris Ballard is probably also done as the GM. Um, 
I just think this is a lost season for the Colts. And I kind of like what the commanders have been doing the past couple weeks. Um, under Heineke, you know McLaurin's going to get the ball a little bit more. Uh, Brian Robinson is getting more and more comfortable in that backfield. So I'm going to take the commanders in this one, 24-20. Oh, I got the commanders in this game. Uh, Gibson is uh, a beast of a man, one of the more underrated running backs in all of football. He's fantastic. And McLaurin, I agree with you. Heineke loves to throw to him. I expect McLaurin to have a big game against this secondary that's abysmal. Uh, I, I don't think this secondary of the Colts is any good. Uh, Colts get not only beaten, but I think they get pounded around a little bit in this game, 21-7. to seven. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I would take Washington, too. Ah, clean sweep. All right, next game, the New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is going to be a very sloppy game of field goals, but also good offense both ways. I think Daniel Jones and Geno Smith will both be dual threat watches in this game. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle, though, only because I trust the raw running game of them more. The Giants have still had issues stopping the run. I think both these quarterbacks will be able to extend plays, but I think Kenneth Walker has a little more in terms of, like we were saying with Derrick Henry, he's just in his beast mode right now. And the Giants have struggled against the run, especially on the outside the last couple weeks. Also, Tyler Lockett should be able to play in this game. I think even without DK Metcalf, I think he can still stretch the field. And Seattle's front has actually been pretty good defensively, too. They've been able to get a lot of pressure. Giants without Evan Neal, I think kind of like what I was saying with the Jets, an adjustment prospects for that offensive line. Uh, and it's in Seattle, tough home crowd. So this will be close. I'm going to say 26-23, a lot of field goals. I'm going with Seattle here. I, uh, I, I think at some point it's going to catch up to the Giants. I mean, it's a really good story. Dayball is the coach of the year right now, no doubt about it. Daniel Jones is playing really, really good football right now. But at some point, I mean, the way they are winning these games, I just don't think it's sustainable over a season. They are the third team in NFL history to win six games, each by a margin of eight or less within their first seven games. They're also the first third team ever to win at least five of their first seven while trailing in the second half. I mean, the way they're winning, it's it's unbelievable. Um, And it's been really fun, especially for New York between the Jets and the Giants. But at some point, I think it's going to catch up to them. And I think this is the week. I mean, Seattle just dominated the Chargers last week. I know they're really banged up, but that was a really impressive performance last week. I don't know if I would take three running backs over Kenny Walker right now. I mean, the dude is just so damn explosive. He is so fun to watch. The offensive line is clicking. They have two studs at their bookends on the offensive line. Um, I think even without DK Metcalf, Marquise Goodwin, 31-year-old Marquise Goodwin, who's bounced around the league, he steps right in, two touchdowns. He looks great. I mean, Geno Smith is locked in right now. So I'm also riding the Seahawks in this one. I'm going to go 28 to 23 Seahawks. You know, you say 31 Marquise Goodwin. You make it seem like he's old. <laughs> he's not, but he's been on like seven or eight teams. I mean, the dude has been bouncing around. But, old I mean, man Marquise Goodwin. Great last week. He... I love it. I think it's funny. Anyways. I got Seattle in this game, too. I, I think they're the better team. And, and the Giants have played teams that have been lopsided offensively. I think this team understands their identity. They can run the ball. I think Walker, who, by the way, I picked in my draft. And I made it. I sat him on my bench. And as soon as Penny got hurt, I was like, I was licking my lips and watched this kid just completely burst off the scene. I think the kid is a star. He's a stud. He's not Brees Hall. He's a little bit under Brees Hall. But he, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic talent. Um, give me Seattle. I think it'll be a close game. I think the Giants will keep it close, seventeen to ten. 
Yeah, I, I, I like some of the numbers that I heard about the, the Giants. and That's Derek. How, oh, yeah, Derek. I'm sorry. I didn't know your name. I think Derek said it really well. The thing about the Giants, 6-1, and one, when they looked at teams to win six of the first seven games with a point differential of 20 or less, uh, the two other teams to do it, the Raiders in 76, they actually had a negative point differential, if you can imagine that, winning six of their first seven games because they lost a blowout game to the Patriots, uh, and they, they won their other games by uh, one possession. Then the other team was the 1982 Redskins, um, who started off you know, 6-1. They wound up winning the Super Bowl, and uh, they only lost to Dallas. So their point differential was like five. Um, those two teams went on to win the Super Bowl. The Raiders were one of the greatest teams of all time. I don't think that's the case with the Giants. I think the Giants aren't good enough. Uh, you know, Barkley's really good. He's a great running back for the type of offense they want to run. But eventually it's going to catch up to them. Eventually they're going to play a team where they can't come back in the fourth quarter and they can't get behind by two scores and somehow rally to win. Um, they've kind of been doing it with Merz because they're not really a comeback team, but they've been doing it. I think that's going to run out at some point this year. And the, the Seahawks have been a team that no one thought would be very good. Uh, and they have been better than most people thought. Uh, I don't not sold on Geno Smith. I'm not sold on the fact that they will be consistently sour up. grapes. But uh, I think you're a better fan too. Hey, I am sour. I, I I I'm upset. I mean, but I got Zach. I guess if Zach shows himself, I I can't really jump off a bridge. Mark's not trusting yet in Zach. <laughs> Nobody is. But we have to see what he when the Jets. No, I don't trust Zach yet, but. You gotta let him throw the ball. I think the Jets haven't given him a chance, but uh, they're a lot better than I thought they'd be. I mean, they've done a lot more than I thought they would, and they, I think they're they're showing a lot of very good signs that you haven't seen in a while mm. that the Jets normally don't show. I mean, to have a young team that has shown this type of grit late in games, uh, to where you're you're not really worried in the fourth quarter if they're going to make plays. They've consistently shown the last like four or five games. The attitude of the, of the young players is one of they don't really accept losing anymore, mm. and we, we'll see if that continues. If it's just a so you got you got the yeah. Seahawks, you got the yeah. Seahawks. Yeah, I think the Seahawks. So sweep of the Seahawks. The is going to end. I don't. I don't even think they're going to win the division. Obviously, Philly is. Yeah, um, but somehow the Giants' good start is they're good enough to improve and make the playoffs better and something to build on for the future, but. Somehow their luck this year isn't gonna gonna stay the way it's gone first like first seven games. All right, next game, the last of the four o'clock games, the San Francisco 49ers at the LA Rams. So the Niners have owned the Rams either blowing them out or win close low scoring games. And if the Rams do win, it's the same kind of thing, close low scoring games. This is what I think will be the opposite. I think this will be a higher scoring game. I am still gonna take the 49ers, though. I think the Rams still have a lot of issues with that offensive line. I think this pass rush gets back into form. That being said, I think the Chiefs exposed some concepts that the Rams could definitely use with Cooper Cup and those some of the McVay's concepts down the field. I think Tyler Higby is a nice game in this one. That being said, I still think the 49ers win this. I think Christian McCaffrey has his first big game as a 49er. I think, watch out for Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings to have a big game. I think Debo Samuel will play, but he'll be used as more of a decoy in this game. I think the other two receivers will go off. The Rams' secondary depth outside of Ramsey has not been Please great. don't say that. I need him. Yeah, I, I'd be worried about it, though, because he hasn't practiced a lot this week you know so what? far. I don't want to hear you. you you're going to get your running back You're going to get your running back. You make me game. sick to my stomach. You know I, yeah, I think this is a game for the other receivers, and I think McCaffrey as I am well. upset with you now. So I'm going to take San Francisco, I'm going to say 28 to 20. 
I, I'm with you, Speedy. I think it's tough to take the Rams in this spot. I mean, between Shanahan versus McVay, Shanahan 7-1 and one in these matchups. The one loss was in the NFC Championship last year. I mean, they beat him up on Monday Night Football in the first matchup of the year, and the 49ers didn't even have Trent Williams in that matchup. He will be playing in this one. The 49ers defense has been beat up the past two weeks. Uh, they're going to get back Nick Bosa in the spot. Eric Armstead is going to play in this one. It's looking like he's going to play in this one. Drake Greenlaw is going to play in this one. Um, they're still down a couple guys in their secondary, but as Speedy alluded to, I mean, this Rams O-line, it, it's not it, it's not going to fix itself overnight. I think against this 49ers front, that's not necessarily the recipe for a get-right game, the way that they are playing. Um, so I, I just think it's going to be the same thing. I think the 49ers are going to beat them up. CMC has had a full week of practice now with the 49ers. I expect him to get 20 touches or so in this game. That's going to be a problem for this Rams defense. So I think San Fran wears them down. I, I'm going to take the 49ers 26 to 17. I want to see the Rams win this game. I really do. I mean, I, I don't know what they are. That's the thing. And their offensive line is horrendous. And with obviously Bosa back and the way this defense could really put pressure, I I think they'll be able to put pressure on Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford has a good game. I do. I think this could be a high-scoring game, not all defense. Um, I'm starting Matthew Stafford in my fantasy because I'd rather start him over Aaron Rodgers against the Bills because uh, I think the Bills are going to completely torture them. Um, I think the Rams will be able to put up numbers. I think the 49ers will be able to run the ball against this Rams defense. Um, give me San Francisco in this game. I think it'll be close. 27-24. Yeah, I mean, has there been two more inconsistent teams in these two teams? I mean, you look at the NFC, and if anyone were to tell me the teams that are in first place now were going to be there at the beginning of the season, probably wouldn't have believed them. And I think a great example is the NFC West, where the three teams I thought that would be good are all under 500. Um, and I – look, I, I think the Rams are – I can't you – know what – to expect more of the Rams than of the 49ers. The 49ers, every week, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, and until they can show me they're consistent, I'm not going to pick them in, in any game. So I, I'm going to take the Rams. You know you know what I'm going to do? I want to throw a curveball at you guys because I don't want to agree with you guys. I want to I want to show you what I'm made of. Are you going to pick a tie? I am going to pick the Rams in this game. Oh, I am going to pick the Rams in this game. I'm going to agree with Marky Mark. And I expect Matthew Stafford to go out there and shove the football up Christian McCaffrey's ass. Give me the Rams, baby. All right, Sunday Night Football. Green Bay Packers at the Buffalo Bills. The first time Aaron Rodgers is a double-digit underdog in his career. And I do think the Bills will end up covering it because the Packers' defense continues to be, along with you were talking about earlier, Derek, with the Saints, probably the two most underwhelming defenses in the league this year. And I think the Packers, especially against the run, they've been back to their abysmal form again. And Devin Singletary, I mean, he's not a great running back, but he's not bad either. I think he has a nice game in this one, and I think the Bills will still be able to stretch the field. Jair Alexander's had a down year for his standards. Granted, he had some injury issues in the beginning of the year, and those safeties have not played well either. And then the, the Packers' offense, oh, God, I don't know what they are at this point. Buffalo wins this game 31-17. <laughs> yeah, just looking at the Green Bay offense on every single level, they have issues. From wide receiver, nobody can separate 
They don't have a go-to guy on the offensive line. They're playing a game of roulette up there every single week. Is David Bakhtiari going to play or not? Is who, who are we going to have to Elson move around? Elton Jenkins is hurt too, yeah. Elton Jenkins is hurt. The interior of the offensive line has really struggled. This Bills front is extremely disruptive, especially when you throw Von Miller in the mix this year. Um, it's going to be way too much for them. That Bills secondary, even without Trey White this year, they are so, so good. Um, I, I think – the Packers are going to cross the 50 maybe one or two times in this game. I just don't see it for this Packers offense in this one. And if there's a team that I trust to cover a double-digit point spread and to blow a team out and handle a team the way that they should, it's the Bills. Um, I don't think they play down to opponents. Josh Allen is asserting himself as the front runner for the MVP. After he beat Patrick Mahomes head-to-head, I think it's his award to lose. On the national stage, in prime time, I, tr- I trust Josh Allen in the spot to put up 30 against this Green Bay defense. So I'm going to go Buffalo 31, Green Bay 13. Derek, you have to be more specific. This year they don't play down in opponents. Last year they lost to Urban Meyer. That is true. That is true. <laughs> this year. Um, yeah, I got the Bills in this game. I, I want to see Aaron Rodgers actually keep his team in and, and, and show everybody why he's the greatest quarterback of this era. But uh, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is you know ready to sit down and eat some popcorn in the offseason because <laughs> – I, I don't think they're making the playoffs the way this team is playing. I, I feel bad for them. Uh, they didn't give him a wide receiver. I guess they expected him to just pull daisies out of his ass or maybe roses yeah. if they smell. Who knows? I They probably smell right now the way he's dealing. You know, his hair looks like he looks like a greaseball. He looks like a hippie. I mean, seriously. Um, yeah, I got the Bills. Uh, I think this is – I think they cover. I think they destroy Green Bay. And, by the way, they're in Buffalo. Uh, that doesn't bowl well for the – Green Bay Packers. So give me Buffalo. Uh, I would say 34-17. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that Buffalo is the one team that I could expect stuff out of. And if there is a double-digit team at home and it's going to cover, it's the Bills. They've, in a season of unpredictable endings, the Bills have given everyone what they expected. Mm. All right, last game Monday night, Cincinnati at Cleveland, Battle right. of Ohio. Let's no make Jam- this quick here. No Jamar Chase. We all know what's going to happen. I got the Browns in this one. I, what? I do. I got the Browns because here's the thing. Their secondary is still pretty good. Where if, if Denzel Ward canceled out Jamar Chase, I think then it would have been a different story and they would have exposed the slot areas more. Now that Jamar Chase is out, I think that makes a big difference because I still don't trust the Bengals to run the ball. And I think this is a primetime defensive running type game and I trust the Browns more in that kind of thing. I'm going to say 17-13 Cleveland. Burrow is 0-3 against the Browns, but I, I can't do it. The Bengals are going to win this game, even without Jamar Chase. I still think T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, that's enough. Um, the Browns' defense has a lot of talent, but they haven't played well this year. They have not lived up to expectations at all from that side of the football. Defensive coordinator Joe Woods should be on the chopping block. I'm kind of surprised they haven't shook things up and even fired him at this point. It's been really, really ugly for them. Um I just have to go with the Bengals in this one. I mean, their offense has looked so much better in the last two weeks. Losing Jamar is huge, but they've made a seismic shift in how they play. They're just a spread-it-out unit. They're uh, gone all, all the time. It kind of looks like the offense that Joe Burrow had at LSU. They're kind of just letting him rip it back there, and it has been really, really fun to watch. I think he's going to carve up Cleveland on Monday night. Give me the Bengals 28-20. to 20. Oh, I like the Bengals in this game. Very much so. And uh, Joe Mixon, who hasn't showed up this week or this year, 
give me Joe Mixon in this game. I think he has 100 yards and spits all over the field on the Browns. Yes, in, in Cleveland with the Keebler Elf, okay, which they have over there on the field. Uh, I, I don't think the Elf is going to work uh, this week. I don't think the Elf ever worked, as you asked the Jets after coming back from that win. I have the Bengals in this game. I expect... Uh, the uh, great, the greatness of Joe Burrow at 408. What was it? 480 yards last week mm. and what, four touchdowns, five touchdowns. I mean, I, I mean, it's disgusting. I, I think he does the same to this defense. I think he throws over 400 yards in this game. I think the Browns, uh, they're all about running. They'll be able to run the ball against the Bengals, but that's it. They're not going to be able to throw the ball. And I, 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 I wonder what Amari Cooper is thinking right now after leaving the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. I'm sure he wishes he's over there because that team uh, without uh, Deshaun, I'm going to uh, play with you, Watson. Um, I don't know what's happening. So there you go. Um, I got the Bengals. I would say 24-14. 24-14. All right, Mark, what do you got? I would say the Bengals, too. And starting with the Jet game, we've seen the Bengals play, play differently, play like everyone expected them to. Um, they've scored 27 or more points in all those games, except for the game against the Ravens, which is their only loss. And uh, I, I expect them to continue and to take over that division. Well, the Bengals have uh, three losses, just so you know. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, they started 0-2, and then they beat the Jets, and then they lost it to the Ravens. That's their only other loss. Yeah, well, you know what i got to say about the Bengals? You know, uh, I don't know what a Bengal is. I don't know how dangerous a <laughs> Bengal is. Uh, the tiger, uh, whatever it is. I mean, whatever. It's it's part of the cat family, but uh, <laughs> you know, I I'd rather be a Bengal than a Brown. That's for sure. I don't even know well, what Brown true. is. I mean, is that a dump? Is that what they it's, call it's it? It's named after Paul Brown. It's the whole uh, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. a Brown sounds like a dump. You know, you're taking oh, a Brown. Yeah, it's dump. an accurate depiction of their organization. You know, so. I, I mean, look at their jerseys. I mean, it looks like crap. Oh, they're horrendous. I, mean, I don't like. Their I mean, it, it, it's, it's like a dump. I see those jerseys. I like listen. I like Deshaun Watson, and he'll come back, and I think he'll put up wins. I next year will be the year that I expect the Browns to really like explode, uh, because Deshaun Watson will be there for a full season. But Speedy, you could shut off the music. Derek, you are the man as always, and hopefully you don't win this week. And I take over the reins again. I did pick games that were a little bit on the opposite of all of you guys, so somebody is bound to win. Um, I did take the Rams on a secret because I just – I can't, man. I can't sit there. And I'll tell you this. If the Rams lose this game, I think the Rams don't make the playoffs. That's my prediction. I, I don't yeah. think the Rams make the playoffs because this is a game they have to win. They cannot – you're at home and, and you haven't looked good and you're playing San Francisco, which made a trade for Christian McCaffrey – you need to put them in their place. You need to show you show them why you are the Super Bowl champions. Because if you don't, uh, and San Francisco's there and, and embarrass you, then there's no reason even there, there's no even reason to think that you're going to go back to the Super the Bowl. Seahawks will steal the playoff spot from the Rams. I do. I think the Seattle Seahawks is going to surprise that division, and I I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks win that. They have two stud uh, two stud uh, offensive linemen. I bet you Russell Wilson believe, wishes he's there now. I, I seriously think they have been for years saying we're going to help you build that offensive line. They never helped. That, that trade has the potential. Now, all right, 
No, it doesn't. I, I, I was going to speak a little bit crazy, but it is kind of the modern day era Herschel Walker trade for them. Mm. Now that started the Cowboys dynasty where they won three titles in the nineties. But I mean, you think about what Seattle got in that trade. They got two tackles. They didn't have to pay Russell Wilson, 250 million. They got Tariq Woolen in the mm. fifth round, who some people already think is a top five corner. Um, and they got, I mean, it, it's a small sample size. It's seven games, but they, they have an upgraded quarterback as of right now. Geno Smith, it looks much better than I know Russell you Wilson like right now. And I know he looks like better him. than Russell Wilson did even last year when Russell Wilson wasn't looking the way he does right now. But, I mean, Seattle pushed all the right lines on that trade. You like Gino. I know you do. You're smart. You I'm post a Gino the thing. guy. I know you're absolutely. Look I at him. Gino. Look at him. Derek Mountain is yeah. a Gino. Hey, listen, and I, I, I don't know if you know who Mark is. Mark is an Emmy Award winning. Uh, you know, he used to work for ESPN. He's won two Emmys. And uh, Derek, so he's sitting over here. He's probably, you know, doesn't want to blow up his toot. You know, he's been dealing with his own stuff, you know, behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, as a, as a Jet fan, no Jet fan wants to hear somebody say, go Geno Smith. Okay. <laughs> no <laughs> Jet fan wants to hear that. I, um, I'll just never forget Aiken Pally punching him because of a bet. And that cost him his starting job. He wouldn't pay him the $500 that he lost. I know. He's just so perfect. I, and now he's the highest paid backup quarterback in the league. Next year, he's going to get himself. He's going to get paid next year. Oh, yeah, yeah. big bucks. He's going to make some big yeah. bucks. And if it's not from Seattle, somebody's going to pay him because they know he can play. He should... Here's a trivia question for you. See if you remember this. Mm-hmm. Who was when Geno Smith played the first game of the year that year? Mm-hmm. Who was the team he beat? Atlanta, I think. No? Who do you have, Derek? Take a guess. Uh, um, Miami. It was Tampa. Oh, I knew it was NFC. Damn. Yeah. Because they won uh, when they, the game looked like it was over, and then there was a penalty on one of the uh, Buccaneers linebackers, and that put the Jets in field goal position, and they wind up winning on a last-second field goal. I, that I, was Geno Smith's first game okay. in the NFL, his first win, and then – Yeah, because I remember, I remember he had that big comeback against the Falcons. I think they were down like 27-17 or well, something. They came back yeah, and won that a, game. Okay. That was a Monday night game yeah, against the right. Falcons. We were supposed to be like the best team in the NFC. I remember that year. I called them falling off. I want to – Yeah, it shocked uh, everyone that they won that game. That was talking a game. about Geno Smith. Game I never would expect them to win, and they did. That was probably one of the biggest shocks. Just mm-hmm. talking about Geno Smith makes me want to throw up, okay? Because mm-hmm. could you imagine this guy becomes an all-world uh, quarterback? I know he's, uh, he's, what, 28, 29 years old. This guy – 30. 30, I'm sorry. He's still in the prime of his career. Could, could you imagine seven years of great – Geno Smith and Seattle actually wins a Super Bowl with Geno Smith. Yeah. I will, as a Jet fan, I will be very <laughs> upset. Mark, I, will tell Mark I actually kind of remember that now because it wasn't that the Darrell Revis first game against the Jets too when he was with Tampa. Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. Now I kind of remember that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And he, I think yeah. that an interception yeah. in a game too. Yeah. No, I, you're right. I, I remember Beat me being up, at, Scotty. I remember it was being. At, I remember being an NFC team. I just had the wrong one because <laughs> well, I know they were against the South. That well, year. I will say this, Derek. You are a mountain of fun. Let me tell you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys bringing me on. It's always oh, a blast. I love it because uh, I. First of all, your knowledge and look. You brought up statistics that we didn't even know, 
And, uh, you know, you're like, uh, you know, Speedy PD2. But you're, we're not going to call you Speedy. we got to figure out some other nickname for you. But uh, every week, I, I love to hear your opinions on some of these teams and some of these matchups. And you just don't know with the NFL. There's no guarantee. The only There's only one undefeated team. It's your Eagles. And there's no guarantees that they're going to be the Super Bowl champion this year. Uh, it, this is the first year in, I would say, in 15 years where, honestly, I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl. I don't even know who's going to the Super Bowl this year. It is crazy how open it is in the NFC and AFC. And for everybody that thought, including yours truly, think the AFC was going to be just completely dominant, boy, oh, boy, it's been a bust. Exhibit A, Denver Broncos. (laughs) Denver, the Raiders, the Chargers. I mean, mean, Baltimore hasn't been really that good. Uh, yep. Bengals haven't been really that good. The only team, the only two teams in the AFC that have been a sure things is Kansas City and Buffalo. That's it. I mean, in the, it's yeah. crazy to say this, the Jets. <laughs> I would put Jets a sure thing in the same sentence. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, listen, they're five and two. You say you don't want to, you want to put sure things. Who's been better in the AFC besides? I agree. I'm just saying, the the Jets. Right. sure thing, right. <laughs> sure thing is a lot. I think... little jump the gun. <laughs> I think the way the Bengals have played the last two weeks, mm. they have a case as the fourth best team in NFL. I really do. But without Jamar Chase for the next month to six weeks, that's yeah. not the case at all. Um, I, I mean, that defense is still kind of picking up where they went off uh, last year in their Super Bowl run. Kind of everybody expected them to regress a little bit. That hasn't been the case. Burrow has looked like himself the last two weeks, but without Jamar, it gets a lot harder. Mm-hmm. But with the Jets, I mean, Vera Tucker and Brees out for the year is just so killer. You just hate to see that because as a young team, they're really starting to gel. I like James Robinson. I think he's going to fit very well over there. I really do. I think he's a great pickup for Joe Douglas. It's a good trade. Yeah. yeah, and it gave up a sixth round and it could turn into a fifth. And by the way, yeah. they, they have control of him next year. Could So could you imagine the three-headed monster they're going to have next year? Yeah. Carter, Hall, and Robinson in the backfield. You want to talk about a beast of you know, a beast of the East next year. They're a running team. They're going to be able to use three running backs in that backfield. All hmm. three of them can catch the ball, too. Uh, that's scary. It, it really is. I think next year is the year of the Jets. I, I think next year is where people are going to be like, watch out for this team. This team's going to be a beast. I, I, yep. Yeah, but running backs can be replaced. Uh, I I don't like Tucker's injury. That to me is far far worse. Uh, it's hard to go out and get an offensive lineman. They talked about getting Tunsil, but that would cost them a lot more. I think than they're willing to give uh, for a guy that you know is like a thirty five million dollars salary cap hit next year. So uh, it really doesn't get benefit them. Maybe they can find another guy that's good enough just for this year. Uh, a guy near, near the end of his career that could fill in and be better than what they're going to get. But uh, what about Font? I mean, Font's on their roster. He's coming back this week. He's been sitting out. He's a good player. He was a top. He was a top ten, top eleven tackle last year. You move him to yeah. that tackle if um, he's healthy. That, that would be my biggest worry for them. Hmm. I think I think Font could absolutely fill in. I don't. I don't. He's not Elijah Vera Tucker. There. There might be three offensive linemen that be better than Elijah Vera Tucker right now. Elijah Vera Tucker is a top five, you know, tackle slash guard. He is Zach Martin. He is 
He can play any position on that line. He is the Jets' best offensive lineman. He's one of the Jets' top five players. Yeah, he's a special player. They, they're going to miss him. They'll get him back next year. He'll be fine. This guy is going to be one of the best tackles. He's still very young. What is he, 23 years old? This team, this team is up and coming. And Gardner winning another defensive player of the week. I mean... I, it's hard to believe he's not the defensive player of the year, the rookie defensive player of the year right now. Yeah, but don't uh, you curse him now? As you get hurt, maybe I'll be out for the year. Like no, I, listen, I'm not cursing him for anything. If anything, he's cursing everybody else on the social media line. It's funny, man. I like I like Gardner. And by the way, when he wore that cheese head, <laughs> Green yeah. Bay, that was something to laugh about. You like the personality that this kid has, and yeah. Uh, by the way, DJ Reed has been the best corner in football this year, just so everybody knows. He has given up no touchdowns. It hasn't even come close. So that tells you something. Joe Douglas, yes, an eagle. Yes, your Eagles, who helped build that Eagles championship team, is doing something right over there. He's drafting right for the New York Jets, and I, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very – and he, he has his picks this year. The Jets are only going to get better. It, it, it's And so are the Eagles. I, I would love to see the Jets and the Eagles. Everybody knows my second favorite team, the Eagles. I would love – and by the way, the Jets have uh, a losing record against the Eagles. They've never beaten the Eagles. Why not beat them in the Super Bowl? Why not beat them in the Super Bowl and win their second – that would be fantastic. I would, you understand how I would bad that it. is? Like, there's no, no other team in any professional sport – that have lost that many games against an opponent. I think they're 0 12. Ever. I know. It was fascinating. I, 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 I was so surprised when I heard that, too. Like, you would think a team like Houston that just came into the league in 02 would have one of those stretches. Nope. Not yeah, even no, that. no, not even close. I don't think there's anybody that's even like 0 4, 0 5. I mean, and when you look at the games they've lost, like, I remember when they lost that game over oh, Randall Cunningham got hurt and Eric Allen had that. Interception return. That yeah, took, like, I remember it. Please, I, the, I remember the remember the one in 2015. Derek, you might remember this too. But being an Eagles fan, the Jets were up like 13 nothing, and then yeah. Brandon Marshall did that lateral, and then just fell apart. Yeah, yeah, they got blown out. Yeah, they got blown he out. He made the catch, yeah. and then just lateraled it for whatever reason. Please don't yeah. mention that. That, that was like a, that was a loss that cost them because that you know that that was. Something I could have gotten them, and, and and that's that's the best part of it because they have never beaten the Eagles, and why not see them play in the Super Bowl in the future and watch yeah. both teams kill each other? And by the way, the Jets win their first game against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It it, it definitely fit. It's very fitting. So we'll see. I, I I'm excited for both teams. I think the Eagles are they're they're set up really really good. The, the Eagles are one of the younger teams in the NFL. The Jets are one of the younger teams. There are a lot of good young teams in the NFL now that are up and coming and teams that you wouldn't expect. The Jets, the Eagles, uh even the Cowboys in certain aspects. They they're a pretty good young team right now. They have some good young players on that roster. Um I thought Arizona was going to be good, but I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. We'll see. Um but there, there are a couple of young teams. And Buffalo, the Bills, a very young team, very good. And Kansas City, too. They have some good young team, good young, good young players now. And adding jo- uh, Kadarius, um, Kadarius Tony. Tony, I, I think that's scary, too, uh, because now you give him another weapon to use. And the human joystick will be joining his way 
for a couple of touchdowns. But Derek, thank you for joining us, man. You're awesome. Uh, we'll have you on next week. We'll we'll see where you yeah, are at. Absolutely, thank you, know, you guys. You gonna win your second straight week, Derek? No, I, no. just gonna cross my fingers and pray. <laughs> you know, Derek, you you you're a very interesting guy, and 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 your knowledge in in football is is fantastic. It's it's kind of like Mark, aka Mark Everett over there, and Speedy esque. Uh, I just have my crazy terminology, stupidity. So there you go. It just uh, it fits very well with the smart ones. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, Derek. Thanks, Mountain. guys. Derek Mountain, fantastic. All right, Mark. Let's hear it. Let's hear so, it before we go. I mean, are you guys going to watch the World Series? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll have to yeah, wait for the Astros because I don't want to see Cindergard win and run his mouth. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Phillies, when the season started, everyone thought this was going to be the worst defensive team ever. Yeah. And you looked at their – if you look at their sabermetrics – and you know, the, the advanced numbers, they are very bad, okay? But if you look at just their overall numbers, they've only, like, I think, third, third and fewest errors uh, ever's made, um, and their fielding percentage is pretty good. What they figured out is if we can't get to a ball, we're not going to make an error. So they just don't get the balls. Uh, but eventually – they got better on, on the infield. They got rid of Aditi. Uh, they brought in the, you know, the rookie shortstop, who played yeah. very well. Stott, yeah. I think you kind of short up that infield defense a little bit as much as you can. Uh, and then they're pitching, and they made some really good moves at the deadline. They got Brandon Marsh. They got Syndergaard. Um, you know, they, they've made in, in, in their bullpen, uh, Brad Hand and a couple other guys that they've gotten uh, have, have been consistent. Mm-hmm. And that's been the difference toward the end of the year. I mean, this is a team that got no hit by the Mets, all right? Um, Mets and, and Braves both win 100 games. You have an 87-win team. By the way, I mean, that would be, I think, the, the fewest wins for a World Series winner was the Cardinals. They won 83, 83 wins, yep. I mean, strike years. 83 um, in 2006, and we all remember who they beat in the National League Championship. Yeah, uh, yeah, we remember well. Um, and then you have, last year the Braves only won 88 games. Uh, the Yankees, remember in 80, I think in 2000, the Yankees won 87 games, yep. won the World Series. Um, so there have been teams that have had that few wins. Um, but the Phillies, if you would ask me when the postseason started, which team will not get to the World Series, I probably would have said Philadelphia. Yeah. Because they had to go through the Cardinals, who they normally don't beat. Then they had to go through the Braves, who the Braves definitely had their number. Or the Mets, and the Mets have had their number this year, even though Philly usually uh, destroys the Mets and kind of tortures the Mets. Um, the Mets got, got them back a little this year. And it did just prove everyone wrong. Bryce Harper's gotten hot. Uh, remember, he was the reason why the Nationals never won? Yep. Well, you know, I, I want to see the home run against the Padres to yep. give them the lead in the eighth inning. That was like his coming out moment. They were ready to like make him rocky after that hit. And They've got momentum. When teams get that hot, that kind of scares me. Atlanta did that last year. The, the Cardinals did it in 2006. They did it in 2011. Yep, yep. Um, teams that aren't that good winning the World Series. You're telling me I was right. That's all. I'll just say. What would you, you say? I picked Philadelphia That's to sleeper. be surprised as a sleeper to win the World really? Series. Well, that was a good pick then. <laughs> I should have bet on it. I'd be rich. Yeah, you should. Um, but like, on the other hand, the Astros are really good. I mean, their pitching's been outstanding. Uh, 
there's really not a weakness on their team. And they were desperate to show that their 2017 championship wasn't a fluke or it wasn't tainted. I think that's the biggest thing for them. Um, I can't wait until they fail. It'll be team, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I think they're going to fail. I, I do. I, I think I, – I really don't think uh, that – they're the hot team going into this series. I think the team out there in the National League that shouldn't have been there, the, the way they went through the Atlanta Braves as good as they did, and then what they did against the Padres in the last series, they're the real deal. And I, I, I think Bryce Harper, that lineup, the middle of the lineup, they're real. And a Schwarber, watch out for him. They're not just they're, – they're just – they're not. Yep. They're not even just a power team. They they also hit for average, and you saw that against the Padres. Yeah, they get on base. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they're good. Yeah. I think they're good. And by the way, adding David Robinson at the yeah. at the trade deadline absolutely helped that bullpen. Houdini mm-hmm. is still there. I mean, this team is good, and I, I I think they're definitely quality enough to beat the Astros. I want to see them beat the Astros. I want to see um, what's his name again? Fat, little little punk ass. Punk, um, what's his name again? Speedy, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins. No, no, no talking about Cindergard. Houston. Houston. Oh, Houston. Yeah, you want Altuve? Yeah. Altuve, the little critter, the uh, the little mint, the little critter, the little <laughs> the little pudgy wudgy was a bear. Okay, that yeah, little, sugar duff after the home run to be yes, Yankee. Yeah, that that little sugar duff, that him, yeah, sugar duff. that that guy. I I I want to see him go crying off the field that they lost another. World Series. Because- hey, let, let me ask you guys a trivia question here. Who are the two other teams in the wild card area to go undefeated into the World Series? In the wild card? What yeah, well, in wild card era. So since 95, Ooh. there have been two other teams that were 7-0 and heading into the World Series. Wow. Hold on. Let me think. 7-0 going into the World Series. Um, oh, the Royals were one. Yeah, but actually, they're, yeah, 14, they were well for the But yeah, they didn't have any Detroit? That's Detroit. Mm. That's a good question. Who's the this was another team Cardinals? that Cardinals? Team had nowhere to make the playoffs that year. And Cardinals? Then they just Cardinals? The Diamondbacks? Arizona? No, and, and because they got hot, it cost the Mets, the, the Rockies. Oh, Astros? yeah, that's right. 07, no, the Rockies. Yeah, 07, that's right. Their, their run in 2007, yeah. it was like 30 of. 33 games, just ridiculous. Didn't they stretch. lose? Didn't they lose in the World Series? They, no, he's saying like, in to the World Series. They lost yeah. against the Red Sox, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And so did but the they, Royals. They, 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 the swept the, uh, they swept that the was when they came. That was when the Red Sox came back from a 3-0 deficit, right? Huh? That was when the Red Sox came from a 3-0 deficit. 3-1 against Cleveland. No, that was 2004 when the Red Sox did that. Right. They were down 3-1, though, against Cleveland, came back from that. Yeah, they were down 3-1 against Cleveland because Cleveland can't eliminate anyone. Yeah. Cleveland's something like four and nineteen in games where they can eliminate people since nineteen ninety nine. That's so awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you look at the fact that two thousand seven. Remember the Mets collapsed. Phillies won the division. They got the Rockies in the opening round. The Rockies swept them. Uh, then the Rockies got the Diamondbacks in the in the uh, NLCS. I don't ever remember the Diamondbacks being that good outside of the year. They, they were the talented, but yeah, they were kind of a surprise because the, yeah, it was, the it, Dodgers it was, were the better team on paper that year. They were kind was, of second 
in but, 2000. Like the Dodgers were thought of as the best team on paper that year in 07. They had a bad year, but the Diamondbacks were talented. They just it was all young all at once. Type yeah, thing. yeah. And I remember the, the Cubs were kind of good then. I know yep. the, last, the year after that, the Cubs wound up winning most games in the National League, and they got swept by the Dodgers. But yeah, I think that's when the the Dodgers got like Manny Ramirez for a little while. Yeah, um, he got hot. Um, yeah, but. Uh, that that was probably one of the most unexpected runs that Rocky team because they had absolutely no pitching. Yeah, I, their, their best starter was Jeff Francis. Yep. And do you remember Jeff Francis? Yeah, He's I do. A mediocre lefty that really had no stuff, but he just had enough guile to get through. Um, even Jimenez, who was on that team, kind of wasn't was a rookie that year. I think. Career. Um, Matt Holiday was. Probably one of the best hitters in the game. Tulowitzki was very good. Um, and yeah, and they had, they had uh, you know, Todd Helton. They had a couple good players on offense. But, yeah, 7-0, and and they wound up getting, losing a World Series. And the Royals lost in a World Series. So getting to the World Series undefeated isn't doesn't mean you're going to win, obviously. Uh, but outside of that game against the Mariners where, uh, where they came back in the ninth inning, they've dominated everybody. I mean, they absolutely embarrassed the Yankees, and that's something you really don't see that much. And, I mean, the Yankees lose, but they don't get totally dominated, and they had no chance in this series. And I, I think that's probably what's impressed me the most is that, you know, when Houston has come to play, they've been significantly been the better team. Um, and I think they're going to get challenged by the Phillies. The one thing I don't like for both teams is the delay. I think that's going to hurt them initially. Um, it would be hard for me to believe with Houston's bullpen, the fact that they can take advantage of Philly's bullpen, and like the Royals did when they won their championships, like the Yankees did, they can score late against another team's bullpen. And that's ultimately what's going to decide the games in the postseason. I think Houston's going to be better at that than the Phillies, even though the Phillies, I think, can extend them and probably put them in situations that other teams don't because of their offense and, and that they – uh, are patient at the plate, but they just don't have enough depth in a bullpen, and their starters are good, but they're not as good as Houston's. Yeah, that's what I was saying, too. Like this, The Astros will test the Phillies' depth finally for the first time. We haven't really seen it much besides the Padres a couple games so far. Yep. Mm, yeah. well, here, here's another thing. Uh, it, Verlander's going to make his 12th game one start. That ties um, the, the lefty uh, on the – Lester, John Lester. Oh, yeah. The most game one starts in postseason history. That shocked me. I really didn't know that Lester made that many game one yeah. starts. He's a tremendous playoff pitcher, Lester. Always has been. Yeah. But here's the thing Verlander's won the most. He's six and three. Nobody else has won more games than that. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you have Greg Maddox, who's started 11. He's only three and six. Um, but one stat that really, and Kershaw's only five and five. Um, one stat that really shocked me, um, not because I didn't expect it, because I forgot how good he was. John Smoltz pitched five and zero in in those game ones. No other pitcher has that many wins without without a loss. Um, but on the flip side, Smoltz only made one game one start in the World Series. That was against the Yankees. Um, you know when he beat them in game one, and then Pettit beat him in game five. Um, but even Verlander, this is only his third game one start in the World Series. Whitey Ford made eight game one starts in the World Series. Uh, but that's, again, back when he only had the World Series. Um, and a guy called Red Ruffing made six. Those are the two most. 
for that. But I think that's an interesting stat. What pitchers are looked at as game one starters, Verlander is, even at his age, um, and he's been unbeatable in game ones the last six of them. He hasn't lost. Uh, and I, I think he has the type of stuff that can, can be effective against the Phillies because he throws hard and he knows how to work the ball around the plate. Mark, did you see? Uh, did you see the stat? Uh, Justin Verlander is the first pitcher to start a World Series game in three different decades. Really? <laughs> yep. 2006, he was a rookie. I think he started game four. Yeah, yeah. 2006, he was a great. Started, yeah, and then, and then 2012, and now today. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. That's interesting. First pitcher ever. You would think like, well, you know, Nolan Ryan never really. No, he didn't make the postseason. They were all yeah, bad he did with the Mets. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and, and then the Astros World in Series, 1980. Yeah. And the Astros in 86, but yeah, then. Right. Yeah, they were NLCS, and the Angels, no. Rangers, no. No. Yeah. I mean, if he would have made it with the Rangers in the 90s, he probably would have done it. Cause, but then again, he didn't start for the Mets in 69. So. No. <laughs> and it's the only reason they have a ring. <laughs> he has a ring. Yeah. Wasn't that a great trade? Um I forget. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, there's got to be believers to do it, though, right? Yeah, no, I would imagine so. But no, Verlander they said was the first starter. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's a great stat. Mm. You know what's even? Good. You know what's even a greater stat? What? Me going Tell to me. sleep. I can't wait. Me going to sleep. What's gonna... the percentage that actually happens? Um, very good. Because I'm dead tired. But ah, uh, <laughs> uh, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Yes, great Mark, to have you, you on again. You good? Mark. Everything good? Yeah. Are we good with you? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, it's probably not as good as it can be. I mean, I'm still doing the presentations as really stars of work. I'm doing more of them, and I can see that turning into something that I can do mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of uh, being able to get enough people um, right now to for me to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think long-term, the education part, is something you know, like online education is something that's really uh, an industry that's going to dominate right now. You have so many kids that are being homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, what I've learned about our education system and uh, being a substitute, I never realized how screwed up it is. Um, and the way that they go about teaching the kids really is going to change in the next couple of years because pretty soon all these parents are going to teach their, their kids out of school. And homeschool. Well, again, we appreciate you. Stay uh, safe. Let's talk a little bit uh, that it doesn't go months on, on you know. Yeah. Ahead, you know, it's yeah. Been a long time. Hey, you know, you know who called me the other day? Who? The guy from Canada. Really? Yep. I was totally shocked. Why did he call you? He, he, you know, I think he wanted me to, to, to do something for him, but, you know, I told him I'm fine doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I tell him that for myself. That's what I tell him. Yeah, yeah, I was shocked, totally shocked that, that, that he would call. But the only reason why he got through was because, you know, I blocked him. And there was a, a no ID phone number. And that was something that only my doctor has. So I thought it was her. And that's why I picked it up. I didn't recognize his voice. I mean, you know, uh, it sounded, you know, he's still doing what he's doing, which, which to me, How? if you're not paying people, How? you're not doing it well. So He's a prick, man. Yeah, like okay. he was an egomaniac. Mm-hmm. He was an egomaniac to the probably worse than anybody I ever I ever was associated with. Boy, and that, was he ever, man! Yeah, and that's hard. That's hard. Hard. Hard to work with. Uh, hard and he cost work. me a lot. I mean, you know, 
um, the way things ended with us wasn't right. And, uh, you know, thank God we were able to straighten that out. Yeah. But that was a big thing. I, I much happier having your friendship back uh, and making up, uh, making amends for that. Anything else? Yeah, well, he, he's a piece of you know what, but I'm not going to say it on air. But uh, he would never call me because he knows better than that. Uh, that would be an interesting phone call. And honestly, if, if I saw it with him, I probably wouldn't answer. But uh, for some reason, I did. And he, he said what he needed to say. I was, you know, okay with it. And yeah. yeah, I'll give him credit for making the call, but there's no way I would. I give him credit when I piss on his face. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> Well, that's about it. But, Mark, stay clear, stay safe, and we'll be talking okay. soon, man. Stay in touch, man. Yes. Don't be disappearing off the face of the earth. Yeah, no, I won't. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll talk to you later in the week. Hopefully the Jets will win tomorrow. They uh, will. Don't worry. They will. I promise you they're winning. The, All right, guys. Be good. Later, yes, man. you too. Well, there you go. Mark Everett Kelly. Yep. Uh, it was a good the show. Triumphant surprise return. That's right. 930, we had... Max Goodwin from Sports Illustrated, uh, Fan Nation, Jets and Yankees. Great get, Speedy. And then Alex Mitchell from the New York Post mm-hmm. wanting to join us. And I told him, if Philadelphia wins, you're taking us out to dinner. His choice. His, and he's got to write a story. His cheesesteak place. Whatever and we have to write him. And I'm going to tell him, he better write a story about us predicting that the Philadelphia Phillies were going to go to the World Series. I want him to give me the rights and the belief that I was right. That's right. That's right. I believe it, and I will swing it. Speedy Beedy likes it in the rear end. Do you like that? Yeah, I love cheesesteaks and rear end at that rate. you like rear ends? I'd say I... Do you like rear ends? I have no idea. You don't like butts? Sure, they're all you right. You like big butts? Oh, my gosh. And you cannot lie? I'm not doing that right now. No, really. I'm serious. So what kind of butt do you I like? don't care what size the butt is. How big do you want the butt? I don't give a damn. It, it can be a, a certain size, you know. It, it could be like a, a, mastod- a mastodon, we'll call it. What the hell does that even mean? It means it's big, you know. It, it, it's a I big... don't care how big they are. Do you like it round and soft? I have no idea. Do you like it hard and grippy? Hard and grip. What the hell does that even mean? I don't know. I, I'm just trying to ask you what you're, you're implying like. that I'm gonna I'm gonna grip it to do what? Would you kiss an ass? Maybe I don't know. Oh, you, so you would kiss an ass? Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm. Oh God, I'm liking it. Carl Carl says drop on a dime or it on a or. A I think he's right. I think Carl is right. I mean, you need All to right. drop a coin. I drop a dime, sure. All right, so you. Dime, how I'm about gonna, how, what are I the chances? Fifteen cents less. What What are the chances if you threw a coin across the room that it'd go in a woman's ass? One in five million six hundred eighty-eight thousand wow, nine hundred two two twenty-one. I think it's a lot more closer than you think. No, you're really estimating my skills Do you of think throwing coins. If I stuck a nut in your ass, would you be able to crack it? No. Why not? That would take a lot of. You have weird, cheeks, right? Your cheeks are strong. Physical, but you 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 don't have a fat ass. What does that mean? It means that it, it's like content. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a peanut's also hard to crack with your hand. I think it's you even crack harder it. with butt cheeks. I, I think your butt cheeks could crack one. No, I don't. So you don't think there's any it's chance? It's full of cartilage. It's not going to crack uh, a a peanut. I, I mean, if you put it between the cheeks, it's it might, not going to make a difference. You know, I mean, you squeeze it with your you know your brain. 
You know? What? Now you're putting my brain into this? I don't know. I want to see you smack an ass. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I want you to smack an ass. So if we go out right now. I'm not. No. Uh, we'll go no. to 7-Eleven. If a woman no. walks through the door, I want not you to smack gonna the ass. Not going to happen. I, at least give her a nice little. Teller. I'm not smacking anything. I want you to go inside the 7-Eleven and ask I am her. not doing that. Uh, ask the woman what type of thong she likes to That's wear. That's disgusting. I'm what? A thong? Yeah. A I'm thong is that. disgusting? I'm not doing that. How about uh, granny panties if we walk God. to an old lady? I'm not I'm not randomly creeping out a, a woman. What kind of underwear does your grandmother like to wear? I have no idea, and I don't care. <laughs> you never see her underwear? No, because I don't have a creepy infatuation with needing to know that stuff. Well, you've been right next to her your laundry. I mean, did you have That's a look? fine. I'm not going to analyze it. But I, I think it's very important. Of course you do. But, I mean, <laughs> I think it'd be pretty funny. I, I, I think, I'm not hyper-analyzing. What do you think? you think you could fit in your grandma, grandmother's granny, granny panties? I don't know. You think so? No, but I have no idea. For what? Do you think her ass is bigger than yours? Yeah, okay, it is. What's your point? <laughs> I'm just asking if you could fit in your grandmother's underwear. Yeah, I, I would say probably not, but it's not, like, terribly crazy. I okay, know. I'm just asking you. Uh, it, it's a very important question. I mean, No, it's not. It's not important to you? No! All right. Right, all right. Oh, who goes commando more, Speedy or Gma? Who's Gma? I guess my grandmother. Probably oh. me, but I, uh, I, I, I think you would go commando. I would probably say me as well. I, I think so. I think you're a commando guy. I think we're, you're a commando guy. I'm not, no, I'm not priding myself on it. Why not? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. Oh, oh look at me! I'm commando. I, 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 I would. Yeah. Okay. Then enjoy. I, I, I do. I'll enjoy. enjoy. You know, I like to wear jeans without any underwear. Okay. You know enjoy. You know why? I don't know why. Because I, the jeans run up my ass. All right. You could. You could tell Carl why you like to do all that. Stuff. I'm asking you. I'm sure Carl enjoys that. Well, do you like? Do you like wearing jeans? It's fine. Do man. your underwears run up your ass? I have no idea. You don't know when your underwears run up your ass. Maybe I don't know, but I'm, I'm, just I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not really gonna know to like say it. I'm just asking you. I mean, it's a very maybe good it does. It probably does. At it some probably point. does. So you, your ass doesn't itch. It does. Okay. Do no you question. itch it? Do you put your hands in your pants when you're itching? Yeah. Okay. But okay. How many times do you itch your balls? I don't know. Depends on the feeling. How about every single day? How many times? I don't know. An average of. Maybe two, three. I don't know. That's it? I have no idea. I mean, I itch them about I, I don't, 12 or 13 I don't times. track this stuff. I do. It's very Congratulations! Important. It's very important. No, it's not. <laughs> this is ironic uh, based on the picture behind Speed. <laughs> That's right. Uh, hey. Wow, Carl. You really had to go there. Yeah, well, unfortunately, he doesn't wear his underwear all the time, Carl. So there you go. I do, but okay. Keep telling yourself that. Okay. Uh, uh, do you... Do you do you think you have bigger breasts than your grandmother? What? Do you think you have bigger breasts than your grandmother? No. Why? You don't? I might have it. What do you think? I have no idea. How about this? Do you think my pecs are bigger than your grandmother's breasts? Um, that's close. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Oh, really? You think my pecs are bigger than grandma's But they're not bigger boots? than Justin Tuck, so don't go there. All again. right. So, first of all... Justin Tuck was standing right next to me, and I think I was just as big as he was. I mean, not in size and length, but, I mean, muscular. I, I really do believe that I was. I mean, why don't you think that I was? You know? I'm not giving you that. I think you need to give me all the credit in the world. No, Remember, I don't. I think we're going to put Granny's panties. No. No. Right. Well, 
uh, like to thank uh, Fan Nation, Sports Illustrated, uh, Jets and Yankees reporter, uh, Max Goodman again, Alex Mitchell from the New York Post, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful man who Speedy is going to take us out to dinner. Yes, and Speedy doesn't wear his underwear, Mr. Commando himself. Uh, Derek, our friend Derek Mountain, of course, fantastic as always. And then Mark, the wonder boy, Everett Kelly, joining us. So it was a great show. Thank you to the fans. Remember, everybody, if you want to see Speedy's underwear, no, you go check. I am not exposing any underwear. I am not exposing any underwear. He will be posting up all his underwear. Picks and you guys can vote on what your favorite pick nope. is. We're gonna post it up. Never, on ever, media. ever gonna happen. Uh, what is he saying over here? Still don't have internet and cell data is rough. Yeah. One month later, I'm sorry, yeah, Carl. Yeah, sorry about that, Carl. Uh, we're happy that you're at least tuning into us right now and uh, making sure that you know Speedy doesn't wear underwear. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah. Um, Carl, shout out to all the Floridians on there that are dealing with the crap that they're dealing with. But uh, we're here for you, Carl, as always. Um, Speedy's grandmother can come down there and help you if you want. Uh, she's very good at paddling boats, right, Speedy? Oh, God. Boats? Really? She's good at paddling boats. No! I know the hurricane was devastating. I think I think what we'll do is we'll send uh, Speedy's grandmother down there, and she's very good at handling boats. No. No? No, she wouldn't. How about if we used her as a boat? Oh, my God. I mean, seriously. That means that they would drown. No, she'll float. No. What? People float. Yeah, if they're trained well. Uh, your grandmother's not trained well? I don't know how well she swims. Oh. <laughs> and I don't think she'll be able to float. <laughs> I think it'd be very interesting. Oh don't no, you? it won't. Oh, well. I'm trying she to She would you. very much struggle with that. Well, you would struggle. We all would struggle. Anyways, wonderful show. Uh, yes, flotation device. Wonderful. She would be a great flotation device. Wouldn't she? No. I'll use a paddle. She would struggle with that. All right, I'll sit on top of her. And, and that would make it worse. Why? Why Extra would weight being brought down on her body? I think she could float. No, you. No, she can't. All right, we all could float, okay? We all float down here, right? What? You never seen it? Oh, my God. Anyways, uh, Speedy does not like the clown in anybody. Uh, we'd like to thank all the fans for listening to us as always, and we'll be back next week on Wednesday. Um, yeah, that's it, Speedy. Um, happy Halloween to all the fans out there. Uh, make sure you stay safe. Keep your kids safe, and don't let them wander around without you guys being around because there's a lot of crazy lunatics like me out there. But that's it. You know, Speedy might be hunting underwear. Before you God. know it, I mean, it's Halloween underwear night. No, it's not. Speedy's not going to be looking for candy. He's going to be looking for, you know, boxer briefs, briefs, and, you know, dirty underwear. You know, he, if you have a stain, Speedy will put it on his No, room. I won't. Yes, it is. He loves the stained underwear. Speedy dressing up as a Mets reliever. I would say Speedy likes to, he'll dress up like Grandma. I think that would be nice. Moo moo and everything, right? No, I'm not doing that I think again. you would look good as a I'm not doing that again. I think it'd be very fun. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Well, you can enjoy would. the nostalgia of 2017. <laughs> All right. We got to go. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.